The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses system integration and contains a brief mention of sexual assault. Listeners' discretion is advised. And remember, listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. Welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rank romance novels on steaminess, dreaminess, and memeiness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today is the start of sequel spring, and we will be discussing Almost Broken If I Break Number Two by Portia Moore, sequel to the infamous If I Break or whatever the first one was called. It was called If I Break. Okay. I will say that I believe at the time I called If I Break one of the worst books (laughs) I've ever read. And I will say now, I do not take that back. But Nicole, I think that it's the first book of our technical new year here. I think that Portia Moore gets most improved player. Oh my God. I was like genuinely surprised by like, how much better this book was than the first one. I was like so much more into it. I think it's like the setup for everything wasn't great. And like even tiny little things, like there's like a throwaway character at the beginning of the first book. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like Mm -hmm. why introduce him? He shows up again, like briefly. (laughs) I cut him from the last episode, I think. cut jason daniels out from the yeah, first I cut one jason daniels ass out because <laughs> he didn't matter and I, I it's so funny that he showed up again i was like wait a second i'm like that's the same fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> i didn't expect him to ever become relevant again yeah. and honestly he's not relevant but he did show up <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm so glad that we're on the same page about this because i was just so surprised i'm like yeah. this is far more like interesting and just better written than the first one i was yeah i was shocked <laughs> this book is also shorter than if i break mm-hmm. by like 50 pages yeah which is fucking significant to be honest oh for sure here's a couple of a, a couple of options that i think portion more could have done but didn't mm-hmm. you could have condensed if i break way down Oh, like you could have condensed it to 100 pages and then stuck the before I break book as the second half of that book. That's the like weird midquel prequel where Chris finds out he has the idea or like the course of like his time finding out, which we didn't read and may never read. (laughs) (laughs) Or my other thought is she could have dropped if I break entirely. She could have like just backfilled us a little bit, given like a couple extra chapters Maybe even dropped us in media res and done the back and forth shit like she oh. did in the first book. Yeah, I'm exactly. so glad this book is linear. Oh my god, I know. I'm not the type of person who's like, I can't stand if media is non-linear because I don't like to use my brain. But like, this is so much better written, has much better tension. Yes, absolutely. I feel like the only things that If I Break really accomplished was making sure that I just disliked Cal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that was like about it because 
and we get the, the plot twist at the end, a spoiler alert for this book that we discussed <laughs> months ago, that Cal and Chris have DID. So it's like, we didn't need all this preamble, really. <laughs> we didn't. It's, it's like a prequel. I think you could have even, because this book goes back and forth between Chris and, and Lauren's perspectives. Mm-hmm. I think you could have started in Chris's perspective and Lauren just shows up. Oh, and you get all the intrigue. Yeah. Portia Moore, let me just please <laughs> give me your manuscripts. I can write this so much better for you. I will. I'll keep in all your singlet normative bullshit. I won't. I won't plural it up. <laughs> I swear. I, I, dude. I promise. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm still not over how much more oh. I enjoyed this compared to the first one. I was like, I fucking hope Claudia feels the same way. Otherwise, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be like, real <laughs> like stupid. an idiot. <laughs> Nicole, let me tell you, I was so mad that this book was fun. I know. know? (laughs) I was like, I I said, let's do Sequel Spring because I wanted to read two terrible books back to back (laughs) because I feel some of our most fun is when we don't like the book. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, plenty of fun otherwise, but still. But like, (laughs) I I fucking swammed a John. (laughs) <laughs> if kidnapping and Cameron Glenn turns out to be a fucking banger, I, I'm going to handwrite apology letters to Portia Moore and Beth Cornelison. Oh my god. Oh my god. I guess, guess we'll see when we read the next one, but like, I'm not over this. I don't think I'm ever going to be over this. Where I will say now, it has captured my interest enough that I do want to read the next one. Oh yeah, we gotta. (laughs) We gotta gotta read the third one. I I can't not know how it ends. I know. And here's the thing. I feel like the third one isn't going to be good. In my heart of hearts, I know Mm -hmm. that the third one is not going to live up to expectations. (laughs) I can see it now. At the end of this episode, I want to tell you my predictions for the next book. Oh my god, I also had predictions for the next book. Okay. Okay, So we can do that. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so the briefest recap of the first book. Lauren? Lauren? No, I know that's Lauren Brooks, <laughs> because she has the same last name as Austin. I'm headcanoning them as cousins for no there we reason. Go. <laughs> just just cause. So Lauren Brooks meets Cal Scott. I didn't say Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Meets Cal Scott in this fancy bar where she works and have a very quick fucking whirlwind romance. That starts with them bungee jumping. Yeah, it starts with them bungee jumping. (laughs) And Cal is honestly kind of a rude, disrespectful piece of shit who touches her without asking and just like, it's just like real cocky and shitty all the time. Yeah. So Lauren... Like, after they get married, like, a a year later or something. By the way, Lauren starts this series at, like, 20 or 21. 21. 21. Four months into their marriage, Lauren decides that she's going to leave because Cal keeps going on these long business trips, not telling her where he's going, and being completely out of contact the entire time. Then he comes back and he's like, okay, I I won't do it again. Or, like, no, he doesn't even say he won't do it again. He's just like... Babe, don't worry about it. And, <laughs> so just trust me. <laughs> yeah, just trust me. It'll all be okay. Uh, and then, <laughs> uh, I really got you in that point, so. 
so after like two trips of this, Lauren decides she is done with their marriage. <laughs> and she she walks out on him. She goes to stay with her aunt. Her aunt calls Cal and he drives out there and is like, oh, baby, it's, it'll be different this time. And they have sexual intercourse. In like the pantry. In the pantry. <laughs> <laughs> and then he leaves again. And then when he comes back, he's like, hey, uh, listen, listen, babe, I gotta go. I don't know what if and when I'll be back ever. Here's like all my money. Sorry. And then he leaves and Lauren finds out that she's like eight weeks pregnant. And so like a year and a half ish later, Cal breaks into their old apartment (laughs) (laughs) and like sees his daughter and like gives her a a little bracelet that says daddy's little girl. Oh, it says DLG. Yeah, it says DLG, pardon me. (laughs) (laughs) Who could it be? (laughs) And Lauren is thinking that she's going fucking nuts because clearly that wasn't Cal. He would have said something, right? (laughs) And so her friend Hillary is like, hey, my aunt lives out in Madison, Wisconsin, and she sent me this newspaper clipping. Look at it. And it's this picture of this pie eating contest that Cal is in and won. Which actually kind of <laughs> fits with his character in this book. Because yeah. we find out that he's a big eater. I'm just remembering. It's actually very funny. Yeah, the pie eating contest that he would not survive. Well, it's like he wouldn't leave me for a pie eating contest. Yeah. <laughs> Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> so Lauren drives out there out the four hours to Madison, Wisconsin, and she gets to this fucking farmhouse and she goes up to the front door and bangs on the front door. And this guy comes out and lo and behold, it's fucking cow. And she's like, how dare you? And starts, starts smacking him. And he's like, whoa, babe, I don't know who you are. And (laughs) it turns out that Cal has the ID And this guy is Chris. Chris is the other person in the same system as Cal. (gasps) And it turns out Cal and Chris's mother was diagnosed with stage three cancer. So for the last like year and a half, two years, he's been home taking care of her. Because Cal doesn't give a shit about their parents, but he was willing to give up his entire life so that Chris could like spend what might be his mother's final days with her. Meanwhile, in the last two years, Chris has gotten fucking engaged to this woman. I gotta talk about that later. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This woman is there and she's like, Chris, who the fuck is this girl? And he's like, I don't know. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna use that voice the whole time. (laughs) Only for Cal. (laughs) So she brings their daughter to meet him. He, like, loves this daughter already. And Lauren is like, I'm going to find a way to bring Cal back. I'm going to do it even if I break. <gasps> and that's that's where we're starting off here. So, Nicole, what is the blurb? All right. Lauren, I fell in love with Cal Scott at 21. That's how I remembered she was 21 years old because I read it. <laughs> yeah. Married him at 22 and had my heart broken at 23 when he walked out of our marriage. 
At 25, while raising our daughter on my own, I'm finally moving on with my life until I learn the reason for Cal's abandonment. The walls I had carefully built around myself begin to collapse. The day I meet Chris, all those feelings I thought I had bottled up tightly come spilling out. I can't afford to give in to my heart's desire again. Love nearly broke me once, and my daughter doesn't need two broken parents. Chris. It says, I was, is in love. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big oof. I was in love and newly engaged to my fiance, Jenna, who saw me through an illness I didn't think I could survive. I'm finally settling into the life I've always wanted and making plans I only dared to dream before now. Until a woman named Lauren arrives on my doorstep. She's intriguing, beautiful, and try as I might, I can't stay away. The closer I get to her, the more my rock-solid plans begin to crumble. All I know is that Lauren is the missing piece to a puzzle I must solve. I want to follow my heart, but it might cost me everything. Hey, can we say (laughs) Cal and Chris are 28? Something about that. It feels like they should be way older. It feels like they should be like 35. Yeah, I was thinking like like 33. I'm like, he's in his 30s. It's crazy that he and Lauren are only three years apart in age. That -hmm. means that they met when he was like 24. Jesus. He's 24 goddamn years old at the beginning of this series. No 24-year-old lives like that. Well, I mean, he has his step-cousin's like resources, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But anyway, tell me, how far in was it before you realized this book was pretty good? Uh, I don't, I honestly don't think I was that far in. Yeah, same. It was basically around when they were at the zoo. I realized, oh my God, they have character traits all of a sudden. Yeah. It started to get me when Chris's mom was saying like, you had every right to make this difficult, but you didn't. So thank you. And I was like, okay, we got a little little depth here. And then they like really get into it at the zoo. And I was like, hold up. Yeah. (laughs) Give me a second. Is it just that if I break had such heavy lifting to do? But then again, so much of that book was nothing. Yeah. (laughs) The infuriating thing about summarizing that book is that nothing happens, but all of it is important. Yes. I don't know. But this one was just so much easier to read. Yeah. It has a plot. It has actual characters. It has actual tension and drama. Yeah. I mean, the parts that we liked of If I Break was when it had a plot. Yeah, exactly. I felt it was repetitive at times, Mm -hmm. particularly with... Jenna and Chris arguing constantly. Yeah, let me tell you, she cannot write a relationship that has a lot of problems because she just, I mean, it's so realistic to just have the same argument over and over again. But God, do I not want to read that? Yeah, exactly. Other than that, though, I felt like it moved along pretty steadily. Yeah. I wasn't mad at this. No. (laughs) Just so surprising. We begin our story at the Scott household. Kaylin is getting to meet her grandparents for the first time and getting to spend a full day with Chris for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so they go to the zoo and it's very cute. I love going to the zoo with children. The zoo is great. So one thing I want to talk about here, Chris and Lauren talk a little bit while they're at the zoo. And Lauren brings up that she has hobbies and interests. (gasps) Something that she did not have in the last book. Also, she has like a job. (laughs) 
Which, yeah, did they she, mention that in the last book? They did not mention that. No. Aside from her, like, I guess, like, being a waitress or server of some kind at, like, that bar where they met or something. Yeah, but once Cal entered the picture, I thought she just stopped working. But no, yeah. apparently she's a freelance editor right now. Yeah. Which, good for her. But she draws. She has a, an interest in art. And also she likes Italian opera. Yeah. Which is oh such a strange little thing. So she she knows of Pagliacci. <laughs> she knows. Of <laughs> Woman goes to doctor. <laughs> she says, doctor, I am so pregnant. <laughs> doctor says, you should see the great clown Pagliacci. <laughs> oh, doctor. I was knocked up by the great clown Pagliacci. <laughs> Does that joke make sense? Not really, but it's funny. I have fun saying it. Yeah. <laughs> also, can I just say, throughout this entire book, I was rooting for them to get together. Like I was Honestly, so invested yeah. in their relationship. Oh, and we also find out that Chris he plays guitar and used to be in a band, which yeah. Lauren did not know that they're system was capable of doing that cal never sang and never played guitar she is downright shocked yeah because she was like he could have used this to get laid like he would have <laughs> like <laughs> which is honestly such a funny line real right <laughs> okay so actually the part where this like really started to kind of hook me a little bit was at the zoo and it was this part in particular where so she asks him like you don't remember anything not just about me or our my life with cal but before me and so then we switch over to his perspective and i highlighted this one if a white lie makes people feel good even if it's not really helpful then what i just told lauren has to be a black lie i didn't do it to hurt her but it is, it is ultimately for her own good i told lauren what she needed to hear when Lauren asked me if I remembered anything, it felt like time froze. It wouldn't be good for her, for us, if I told her that I had started to remember things about my life as Cal. I don't even know if they are real memories. And I was like, ooh. It's intrigue. Yeah. She builds tension. She builds suspense. She builds dramatic irony. Portia, how did you do it? Portia, most improved. I, I'm not over. I'm not, I'm not over this. There are multiple <laughs> lines in here where I was like, that's good. I know. Oh. Like maybe we're damning with, with faint praise here. Or we're giving a lot of backhanded compliments. Sarah, like, wow, your writing used to suck. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's 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 a significant improvement. It is. And that's, that, that's worth praise. It's um, really good. Yeah, I mean, like another line I liked was when they were at the zoo, it started to get really uncomfortable between them because she <laughs> asked him if he remembered anything and so it starts to rain and it says at least mother nature is doing us a favor excusing us from our uncomfortable little outing and i was like oh like that's a nice line she uses rain a lot in this book yes oh my god the drama even the heavens weep for this romance i love me a good rain scene in any kind of a romance yeah. novel movie whatever i will always eat that <laughs> shit up <laughs> it's true Chris actually does remember a little bit of their time together. He gets like snippets occasionally and he's like, 
I don't think I'm genuinely remembering this. I think that Cal is giving these to me to be an asshole. Yeah. Which I think is funny. (laughs) I enjoy how much Chris does not like Cal. (laughs) I I wanted to get your take on that. Just like, I feel like Cal would be kind of an asshole because he is an asshole. So I just wanted to hear your take on that. Like, he's such an asshole. Like, what if somebody in your system did shit like that? Ooh, what if? (laughs) (laughs) We've never had memory sharing on purpose to be an asshole, but we've we've done things to each other to be assholes to each other. Like, Oak and Sandra and me and Sandra and Susan and wait for it, Sandra. (laughs) (laughs) I have also had my fair share of being an asshole for no reason, Mm -hmm. but... You know, you live together, you have conflicts of interest sometimes. You're basically, in a lot of ways, your siblings, in a lot of ways, your roommates. And sometimes you you just like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to needle him a little bit. Oh, it's, it's very Cal. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's so in character. It really is. Another part I enjoyed. Cal. Cal is a selfish prick. I have never remembered anything over the past six years. Not one single thing. And now, now I'm starting to. It's him. I know it is. He's sharing. And if he's decided to do so, I can be sure it's not for my benefit. It's for his. He wants me to tell Lauren I'm remembering. He wants her to not give up on them. I won't hold her hostage to this guy. A memory. A hope for a future that doesn't exist. I want to be her friend. I want a relationship that's uncomplicated and amicable for our daughter. And, like, that sums up his character very Mm -hmm. well. Uncomplicated. He wants things to be easy. And it's like, sweetie. (laughs) He's willing to compromise everything Mm -hmm. to not have a fight. Yeah. I don't know. I I really enjoy how, like, non-confrontational he is, like, to a fault. Yeah. It's really good characterization. There's some discussion of... Like, oh, Cal is the part of you that's uninhibited. He is the part of you that holds anger and and lust and things. And like, <laughs> I think that's such a fucking singlet normative way of thinking about system members, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like they must have one singular purpose, one thing that they do. And once you solve that, they are gone forever. And the world is better for having one less system member in it. Yay! Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> they say repeatedly, like integration is the goal and it's like uh integration is a goal is a goal to attempt to smash everyone back together into one person uh i'm going to give a hot take here that i don't give very often but i've given very often lately to be honest (laughs) and that is i think that full integration final fusion i think it's fucking fake to be honest i do not think that I'm not here to invalidate anyone's personal experiences, but listen, every system that I've met or heard of who has allegedly integrated or fully fused has either split apart again at some point or discovers like a system member who's just like hiding back there. <laughs> because guess what? I'm sorry, your brain doesn't work that way anymore. You can't put it back. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how I feel, and I don't think that you should want to put it back. Well, maybe, like, wanting is whatever, but I don't think you should have to put it back. Yeah. Just for the comfort 
of singlets. And that's mm-hmm. really what a lot of this writing, I'm giving out some of my takes here early, but there are a lot of places where I'm like, Portia Moore gets it. But there are a lot of places where I'm like, Portia Moore can't get it because she's being blinded by single normative culture. She is blinded mm-hmm. by the idea that the ideal is to be one person. Everyone clearly wants to just be one person. This is a curse that is bestowed on people that can be cured and should be cured. You know, and it's also so strange because in the first book and kind of in this one, but mostly in the first book, she kind of implies that, well, she directly states that Cal and Chris aren't plural because of any deep seated trauma. They just are plural, which if Portia Moore went into like a random DID community and said that she would get run out on a a fucking train. (laughs) But I think it's kind of a based take, to be honest. <laughs> because I think that so many of the... I'm sorry, I'm talking for so long here, but... I, I No, you're fine. Because so many of, of like, DID stories are like, let's explore the horrible trauma and the implications of the horrible trauma. But in this book, though, like, they do bring up trauma and they're like, what is it? What was the catalyst here? Like, what happened to yeah. make him like this? But... They never even give a hint of what it could be. Like like in If I, not in If I Break, in Love Me Whole, it's very clear that Oren has some kind of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Probably some kind of physical trauma too. And there are like hints of that. It's like shown in his system members. But in this, it's like maybe the trauma is just like the forced conformity of having to squash everything down inside, maybe, but that's kind of a broad trauma. Just skimming through my highlights and everything, there's only one part that I was thinking could possibly be a hint as to what happened, Mm -hmm. and that was him remembering that he had an argument with his dad, like, outside the house or something. Mm -hmm. And so because of where that shows up in the book, during the parts where we're starting to see bits of Cal show up. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, is this a memory just to reinforce the fact that we like, yes, we are in fact seeing Cal? Mm -hmm. Or is it a hint as to what happened to to make him like this? Based on the last book, I read it as this is like, this is the moment where Cal stopped trusting Chris's family Mm -hmm. because in the scene he's like you lied to me like how dare you and he storms off he's like 17 and this is around the point where we were told in the previous book that Cal first started showing up Mm -hmm. and it leads me to believe that Cal and Chris were already their own people at this point but this is the moment where Cal decides that he's done conforming that mm-hmm. he's like, he's done putting up with shit. And that's why the Scots are like, he was so nice until he was like 17. Yeah. It's like, no, you broke Cal's trust is what actually happened. Mm. I gotta say also, I I know we're not actually summarizing a lot of the book right now, <laughs> but I really like Cal's characterization in this book. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about too, where it's like, while he doesn't, show up really very often Mm -hmm. he's still a very prominent character in this book like he is here the whole time and i love that we learn more about him even though he's not like 
present yeah. at all times. I think what it is is we get some of his perspective. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, like, Portia Moore decided to tone him down or what, but even in the moments where we're getting, like, flashbacks and stuff and, like, we're seeing him front a little bit and interact with people in, like, his gruff way, it feels like a softening of Cal. Mm-hmm. And it feels like sort of a rewrite of his character a little bit because he was a fucking bastard in the oh, first book. Oh, he sucked. He was uh, just a goddamn abuser. He sucked so hard. In this book, he seems complicated. He seems like a dickhead and he seems like somebody who like wants everything his way. But also it feels a lot more like he has a real soft spot for Lauren and Lauren is somebody who can like push him around a little bit. Yeah. Which makes him such a a, a much more interesting character. Yeah, because we didn't see any of that really in the first book. In the first book, it was all just like, trust me. Like, mm-hmm. I like, we, she, he loves her. All right. Like, trust us on this. But like, here we do get memories and you can tell. <laughs> yeah. We, we were just being told in the last book, we weren't being shown how or why. And we see that here. Yeah, there's a moment. I don't know if we're, we're kind of taking an eight kinky nights like summary choice here. Yeah, but we'll get through plot we'll, points. We'll get <laughs> but like there's so much talk about like with the differences from the last book, because mm-hmm. like there's this nice scene. Nicole, I had dreamy highlights in this book. Me too. And I had dreamy highlights from Cal. <gasps> Chris gets a memory of Cal and Lauren moving in together like for the first time. And Cal says, like, I haven't second guessed us since the moment you said yes to marrying me. He says with certainty, you see something good in me. You look at me like I'm not a problem or a villain. He rubs the skin on her back. She looks troubled. Who would see you that way? The people who work for you? She guesses. No, it doesn't matter. The important thing is that you don't. He says with a shrug. I could never see you that way. She promises with a smile so wide that both her dimples are visible. What do you see when you look at me? She asks quietly. Someone kind, loyal, and affectionate. Someone who wants to give as much love as she gets. He says, looking her in the eyes. So my looks don't matter at all? She jokes. Oh, no, they do. You're hot as hell. He replies, giving her butt a squeeze. She laughs. I'll never see you that way, she says quietly. You'll never be a villain. You'll always be my Prince Charming. She sits on his lap exactly the same way as as she did during my panic attacks. Spoilers. <gasps> You promise? He asks her, his tone almost vulnerable. I promise, she says, kissing him. I loved that scene. It's so good. Yes. The thing is that it makes Cal vulnerable. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas we didn't get that in the last book. He was just like some guy who was abusing her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here, I like, I understood what Lauren saw in him. I know. Like, he's so charming yeah. I mean, the whole trope of person being like kind of an asshole about having a soft spot for one person does get me every <laughs> single time also. And I felt like in the first book, they were going for that, but they didn't achieve it because he was just a fucking asshole to everyone all the time. Yeah. And so it's like, now we're getting it. Now we're seeing it. Now yeah. I'm being fed. The last book felt like Lauren had to constantly tame him. And, like, mm-hmm. basically 
appease him to keep him from like destroying everyone including her here it feels like he's cocky and can be kind of a jerk and you know is probably harsh to people besides lauren and like the few people that he cares about but it feels less like he's just wild and abusive and like insane here it feels like he's a person (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the first book chris's parents they do not like cal especially his father and it's because you know cal is you know the uninhibited one and like the mean one or Mm -hmm. whatever and in the first book i kind of understood i'm like he is an asshole i can see why you don't like him it felt justified and now in this book i don't think it's as justified (laughs) yeah exactly. i'm like why do you hate him so much plus we get a lot more time with mr scott who is mm-hmm. a fucking asshole. Fucking asshole. He sucks so bad. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, like, <laughs> I learned it from watching you, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, again, just such a fucking asshole. But I loved his character. I loved, like, the purpose he served he in this He has a book. good character. Yes. And even Chris's mom just being like a stark contrast to him Mm -hmm. is also very good. I think that their relationship really kind of parallels Lauren and Cal in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Mr. Scott is this weird mix of Cal and Chris. Yeah. Like Chris talks about how like when his parents are alone or think they're alone, they look at each other with like such love and stuff. And like his dad doesn't seem like such a such a, a powerful asshole he just seems like a guy who is just crazy in love with his wife and i think that's a conclusion that we're supposed to draw that mm-hmm. they are like they're similar in a lot of ways mm-hmm. oh but wait these aren't his biological parents are they isn't he adopted is he I I think he's adopted, if I remember correctly. We've had so many adoptees and foster situations that it's like, I can't keep track of all of them. It's true. Adopted. Searching. I knew Cal was adopted, but I never really thought of him not having anyone. Oh. Or did he just say that as an excuse? Yeah, wait a minute. I just assumed he and his adopted parents were cordial. Lauren, you said Cal was adopted. Maybe that's his brother, his twin brother. Yeah. Cal never told me anything about his parents. All I know is he was adopted when he was young and they were estranged. Do you think that's Cal's metaphor? Cal is adopted and Chris is their biological child? I think so. That's very funny, actually. I also think it's like a very good excuse as to why she had never met his parents before Mm -hmm. he'd be like oh yeah like you know they're not really my parents i was just adopted (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah huh i kind of love that yeah that's gonna be (laughs) my new headcanon i don't know if it's true but it is for me it is in my heart (laughs) i like the idea of cal storming out of the house being like you're not my real dad (laughs) (laughs) Well, Kaylin will can do the same thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> Chris, you're not my real dad. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh my god. Should we try to get like back on track with <laughs> plot stuff? Yeah, let's try and get get back on track with plot stuff. I think we've said all that we want to about this for the moment. I feel like we're gonna go off on these tangents a little bit. Oh throughout. yeah, for sure. Because there's so many like 
good conversations to have here between there really plot. are it's 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 just astounding how differently we are approaching this book because it's so different and so much better than the yeah. first one the last book was a chore yes honestly like forrest and i we watched this uh series recently this mini series that was on adult swim called cry of man it was like a soap opera that was broadcasted live and you could call in and talk to the characters. Ooh. And the first episode is terrible. It's a fucking mess. Like for a lot of reasons, one of which is that people don't know how to improv when they call in. Instead of yes anding, they know and. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh my goodness, are you from the company? Uh, no, no, I'm not from the company. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's ridiculous. And also the first episode has to do a, a lot of heavy lifting with the plot. And I kind of feel like that's what happened with the first book here. The first book has to do a lot of heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. But also I do think it just kind of sucks in general. Yeah, it did a lot of heavy lifting, but also it didn't need to lift that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to take all of the grocery <laughs> the grocery bags in in one trip. <laughs> if we're going to get like back to plot, so... We touched on the zoo. We kind of touched on her relationship with both parents. Yeah, I mean, the short is that Mr. Scott hates Lauren. And it doesn't even really seem like anything personal. He hates what she represents. And she says that. She was talking to Chris about it, I believe. And she was saying that his anger isn't towards her. It's towards Cal and he's not going to take that anger out on Kaylin, his granddaughter who's a year old. Yeah. He's displacing it and he's targeting Lauren. Yeah. When really he's angry with Cal. Yeah. And meanwhile, Mrs. Scott slaps, to be honest. Oh, she fucking rules. She rules. First of all, she loves Lauren. She's fucking enamored with Kaylin. Mm-hmm. Like she will fight tooth and nail for five more seconds with her <laughs> at any given time. Real quick, mm-hmm. the fact that in two weeks' time she put together like a whole bedroom for right? Kaylin, <laughs> fucking adorable. And I love that Chris and Mr. Scott were also like part of this too. Yeah, Miss Scott is a crafty little so and so in a fun way. And she loves Lauren and she thinks that Lauren is a great person. One of the nights that Lauren is there, Chris's childhood friends come to visit for dinner. Aiden and Lisa. Aiden just got back from being deployed in the army in... I think he was in Iraq. Yeah, sure. Were we in Iraq in 2014? We're everywhere all the time. Uh, We're bastards. (laughs) Everywhere, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) It do be like that, though. (laughs) And Lisa is a kindergarten teacher slash bartender. She sounds so hot. She does sound hot. Is (laughs) she straight? I don't believe it with her asymmetrical bob. I don't know. Yeah, her red streak. Yeah. Of course, you have red hair and pronouns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's not straight. I refuse to believe it. There's just no way. No. And like, there's that bit later on where she says that she met Cal and Cal was like, hey, do you want to (laughs) fuck? And she was like, no, thank you. I'm just not interested right now. I don't know. I think she can be easily headcanned as queer. Oh, for sure. She she's a little little spicy. 
She's got a little, little flavor. She's not gay. She's hetero spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren is taking a nap at this point, and so they're kind of interrogating Chris, like, okay, like, what's your baby mama like? Aiden's like, is she hot? And Chris is like, I'm not going to answer that. It's like, and so Aiden's like, all right, so she, uh, she's either a one or a ten. <laughs> Rich <laughs> like, just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess, I guess uh, Aiden and Chris step out for a little bit. And so Lauren meets Lisa first. And immediately Lisa's like, I'm going to be your best friend. <laughs> so I love her. Lisa is great. I love her so much. Chris and Aiden come back and Lauren's like, oh, nice to meet you. And she remembers that Chris told her earlier that he was out on tour. And so she says, welcome home. And he's like, oh, this is the best welcome I've had all day. And he tells Chris, it's like 12. (laughs) (laughs) So he's very, very blatantly flirting with her in front of Chris and everything. And Chris is like, I don't mind this at all. (laughs) <laughs> it's fine it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> it, it, coming out of the tree like it's fine it's fine chris i will marry lauren <laughs> <laughs> and so chris is like don't mind him he can act like an idiot around a beautiful woman and she's like oh my god chris thinks i'm beautiful <laughs> okay him turning to chris and being like she's a 12 reminded me of so my wife went to this party with some friends from their class i think it was either shortly before or shortly after we got married i went to go pick them up because they planned on drinking and i you know i was gonna drive them home and i show up and i'm like hi hi i'm here for mads and (laughs) this drunk girl like yells into the house like mads your wife is here when mads shows up she like very unsubtly moused them like, nice job. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. It's the most flattered I've ever been. <laughs> Thank you, drunk girl with no filter. <laughs> oh my God. I love drunk girls with no filter. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the two things I miss about being a little club rat. Like I was in my early 20s. Yeah. One more small thing. Yes. Chris is a fan of the Detroit Lions, which means that in our like plural 3LW universe here, Chris would get along with Evan from Love Me Whole. Oh my God. <laughs> because they're both Detroit fans. They're, they're actually like pretty close together. <laughs> the 3LW extended literary universe. <laughs> <laughs> London, Ontario to Madison, Wisconsin. They are, okay, they're like an eight-hour drive away. But, like, still. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Anyway. So, after a particularly tense family dinner with Aiden and Lisa also there, Chris is like, all right, like, Lauren, let's let's get out of here for a little bit. So, Chris and Lauren start talking. He says, I think you should hear something. And he just pulls out his phone and goes through his saved voicemails and starts to play one. Mm-hmm. Let's see. You really are more fucking... Actually, I want you to do this in the voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hang on. Oh, also, before we move into this, just for the record, we find out here that Lisa and Aiden fucking hate Jenna, Chris's oh, fiance. Yeah. They hate her ass. They call her, like, Ice Queen and yeah. shit. Aiden straight up calls her Ice Queen. 
Yeah. You don't really think Ice Queen is still going to marry you. Pause real quick. Because, okay, those are his best friends. If <laughs> my best friends were very obvious in their dislike of my partner, it would make me question why I'm with them. Yeah, right. Because my best friends know me better. Like, if if I started dating someone and you were like, Nicole, they fucking suck. I'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. Well, like, you know me better than most people do. So <laughs> I trust you. I feel like even if I was like, yeah, he's he's great. And <laughs> I feel like you would be like, OK. Oh, my gosh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel that might be worse. <laughs> like, he's so bad. I can't even say he's bad. <laughs> That's just a red flag. It's like if yeah. your best friends, best friends since childhood, if they do not like the person you're with, why are you with them? It's like AITA, but loud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in AITA, they're like, haha, you know, where are you going to be a child bride? And they're like, you know, he's he's kind of like a lot to deal with. But they won't say that they dislike him because mm -hmm. they know that that he makes her happy to a degree. But Aiden and Lisa are like, hey, bro, your fiance sucks ass. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. In the last book, when we are introduced to not Jenna herself, was she in the first book? Vaguely. She, okay. she was like, Chris, who is this girl? Oh, my God. I really wanted her to be nice. Yeah. Just just for the extra tension, but no, she's a straight up, see you next Tuesday, if mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying. And here's the thing, she has every reason to be. Oh, for sure. I mean, to some extent, because yeah. she didn't even like Chris being friends with Lisa. Yeah. It's like once they brought that up and brought up the fact that she still doesn't really like Lisa and like that they're friends, there is a certain point where it's like understandable for her to be a bitch about this mm -hmm. because she just found out that her fiance has a secret other family. Yeah, her fiance is married to someone else yeah, and has a child. <laughs> but then there's like her starting to be like so controlling and insane in a way that let's be real probably was happening already oh for sure but at the same time is like oh okay so uh, i guess we can get into it now because i do want to get into that a little bit because she's definitely been like that throughout the entire course of their relationship and so many times in this book we're essentially told that chris is a little bitch with no spine yeah yeah <laughs> that's and, his character <laughs> yeah and it's like, I hate that because I'm just like, oh, like, Chris, come on. But also, it's just so good. Like, it works so well mm -hmm. because, I mean, you see how people try to take advantage of that. Just, oh, God, Jenna just fucking sucks. She sucks so bad. And, uh, okay, I want I also want your uh, opinion on this. So, so Jenna and Chris met because she was going to school in the same general area as uh, the hospital where Chris's mom was getting her treatments. And they had gone to high school together and had known each other, but were never really like good friends. But she was really there for him, like a shoulder to lean on when he was going through this whole thing with his mother being sick. And so they got engaged after like, what, five months or something? It was like super fast. So the back of the book says that they're newly engaged, 
mm-hmm. and they've been together five months. So yeah, that's let that's... me tell you, I did not expect this to be a five month relationship. Yeah, and they're like one, they're like getting married, and two, they're like they're talking about like oh how how after all this commitment and all this time, yeah. it's like it's like bitch relax. It's like, if I can count how long you've been together on one hand, you need to relax. (laughs) (laughs) So they met under those circumstances. And so Chris's mom at one point says something where she's like, I will always appreciate her for what she did for you. But she just happened to show up at the right time. Mm -hmm. And also... Lauren is thinking, she's like, did she take advantage of him? Like, did she pounce on him when he was in this vulnerable state? What do you think about that? I think that's wishful thinking in a way. Mm -hmm. I think that she sucks and she is taking advantage of him in a lot of ways. But I don't think that they got together under false circumstances or she Mm -hmm. purposefully was like, oh, he's he's a weak one. Yeah. (laughs) I think that she has a very strong, bossy personality and is not abusive, but is kind of a toxic person. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she saw him and was like, oh, this one's easy. Yeah. I think that she does love him. Mm -hmm. And I think that the duress that he was under just sped things up. Maybe. Does that make sense? I think it does. When the stakes are higher, I feel like it's easier for emotions to really build. It's a quarantine thing we talked about last time. Yeah, exactly. And so I can understand. I mean, like, I still think five months is crazy, but that's just. Oh, yeah. But it's I can kind of get it because she did support him through what was arguably the most difficult period of his life. Most difficult period of his life so far. So far. (laughs) And for his family as well. So yeah, I is that is that what you Yeah, I was mostly thinking about how like it really felt in the last book like this was a relationship he got into like almost immediately after Cal like gave him their life back mm-hmm. like fully basically. That's what it felt like was implied to me. Yeah. But to find out that no, they haven't just been engaged for 5 months. They've been together period. For five months. It's like, but they were friends before that. (laughs) But it's it's just like, oh, you're going to throw away our relationship for this? And it's like, I don't know, man. Girl, I barely know you. Relax. Exactly. Like (laughs) five months. Oh, how will I ever find such a long lasting relationship ever again? I guess I'll go back to my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I... I saw the um the co- I forget what the context was for this, but we have the the cuckold comic in our Discord <laughs> in the book talk channel. It's like being a cuckold is Joe. Shut shut up and get the fuck out. I'm gonna fuck your wife now. <laughs> Honestly, that's like that's kind of Jenna. <laughs> yeah, like, Jenna, shut the fuck up and get the fuck out. I'm gonna fuck my wife now. <laughs> Oh my god. There were points in here where I'm just like, I feel kind of bad for Jenna. Oh yeah. She's in the worst situation, but she's (laughs) handling it so badly and she sucks. Oh yeah. Has she considered sucking less? Yeah. (laughs) Oh god, we got way off track from uh, Cal's voicemail. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
So Cal's voicemail to Chris. Oh, you have to do the voice. Oh, yeah. Sorry. You really are more fucking dense than I thought. All of these years, and you still think you're just having blackouts? I don't have much time, so I'll get to the point. You can't get married because you already are, dumbass. Talk to Dexter. Make this right, or I'll have to do it for you. Stay away from any altars. Haha. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and if you don't, there will be hell to pay. You can bet on that. Oh, and by the way, since no one gave two shits to inform you, I'm Cal. Oh, now I'm remembering I did Tommy Wiseau last time. Oh! Stay away from any altars. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> oh my god. So this voicemail is another part early on in the book that really hooked me. Mm-hmm. Was Lauren's reaction to this voicemail. She's affected by this because it is Cal. Like she is hearing Cal after not hearing for, uh, from him for like two years. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be sick. After the euphoria from hearing his voice wears off, I feel betrayed. Completely and utterly betrayed. I'm furious. For the first time, it really hits me that he kept all this from me. He didn't trust me enough to tell me about any of this, and Dexter knew all along. I've been thinking of Cal as a victim, but he's not the victim. He could have made this right at any time, but he didn't. And now, now, after all this, he demands that Chris make it right. I'm gripping the seat so tightly that my fingers feel hot. When he came back, the little time he had, he didn't use it to talk to me, to warn me about what was going on, to tell me he loved me. Did he use it to taunt Chris? Like, damn. It's crazy. Yeah. But it's like, oh, God, it's so good. I was like, damn. Like, yeah, Cal sucks. (laughs) but not in the way he did in the first book. Exactly. He sucks in a whole different way that's much more appealing. Oh, yes. And much, much juicier. You know, like, this is like, ooh, like, I that's want, what I I said want about more it. of I wrote this. this book in my review. I said, this book is juicy. Yes. I also really love right before that where she says, that was Cal. That was him pissed to the max and acting like a complete asshole. But that's Cal. My Cal. Like, I kind of dick like, you're an asshole, but I love you. Yeah. Like, you're an asshole, but you're you're my, my asshole, asshole, but not like my <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Chris is like, I didn't play this to upset you. And Lauren's like, you're right. Your dad's right. He's an asshole. I hit the dashboard. I feel my throat start to burn. I look back to make sure Caitlin's still asleep and didn't hear the words that slipped out of my mouth. But you love him, Chris says quietly, looking at his lap. I chuckle and wipe away the single tear that has escaped. I feel like a complete idiot for having to admit it. Yes. I laugh at myself because I'm a joke, a complete and utter joke. I start to feel claustrophobic in the truck. I let down the window for some fresh air. Are you okay? Chris asks, growing concerned. I haven't been okay in a long time, but no less okay than I've been the past week. Yeah, I'm fine. I say, thinking that if I keep saying it enough, maybe I will be. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I like that she's mad at Cal about this. Yes, there's so much good characterization in this book. I like that Lauren's not a pushover anymore. Yeah, I'm just like, yes, bitch, you have every right to be mad. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he he screwed you over. Lauren's mad as hell and she's not going to take it anymore. Yeah, and it's like, she's so right. He could have done something this entire time, but instead he just chose to hide it and didn't even trust her enough to tell her. He just told Dexter. Yeah, so Chris and Lauren arrange... A little trip where Lauren and Kaylin are going to stay in Madison with the Scots for three weeks. Raven, Lauren's aunt, 
hates this idea. Oh, yeah. She's like, why can't you just send Kaylin there or he can like come pick her up? And she's like, because she's one, which is the most reasonable of answers. Uh-huh. She's like, I, they're essentially strangers. Like, yes, they're blood related, but she's like, I just met these people. Yeah. So it's like valid. Why would you want to send her off with some strangers? That's your that's your child. I'd be more concerned if she did do that. Exactly. Raven also says the thing. Do you have the quote, Nicole? Oh, yes, I do. Raven's biggest concern here really is that Lauren is going to get hurt because she is projecting all of the feelings she has for Cal onto Chris. Raven asks Lauren, what about him hurting you? Lauren says, I'm not worried about that either. You can't break what's already broken. I stand up and she grabs my shoulder. Almost broken. I roll my eyes at her and get up to put on my gym shoes. You're not broken yet. I can see it in your eyes. I know you, Lauren. You haven't given up hope. They said the thing. They said it. Everyone is essentially telling Chris and Lauren to set boundaries because there is a line here that is very blurred Mm -hmm. because it's like, you know, they're married. They have a child together, but also like she's not married to Chris. She's married to Cal, but in the legal sense, (laughs) she is (laughs) married to Chris. And so it's like, okay, we should have some kind of relationship because we share a child, but also we can't be too friendly because like I'm engaged and you're not my fiance, but you're still my wife. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> it's so it's so much. Yeah. And so their relationship at the beginning is very much them just talking about Kaylin. And Lauren says here, we talk through Kaylin, mm. which I really like because that's like, yeah, that's exactly what they've been doing, where Chris would ask, oh, what did Kaylin get up to today? And so <laughs> then, you know, obviously, Lauren and Kaylin are together all the time. So Lauren's like, oh, we did this, 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 and this. And so she would tell him how her day went, but through Kaylin. That's pretty much it. And Lauren's like, I'm going to keep it that way, like strictly professional, you know? But then they start texting. It gets a little friendly. He asks, mm. How are you? And she says, had a good day. Nick Jr., Jim, good Chinese food. What more can a girl ask for? Winky face. And she's like, oh, shit, should I have sent the winky face? (laughs) And she says she feels like she's in high school again, overanalyzing text to boys. Yeah, which is so cute. I was rooting for them so hard. They're a good couple. The child is screaming at me. The boy. Yeah. The boy summons you. (laughs) He's like, mother, please. (laughs) He's like, you haven't fed me my favorite wet food in like a week. Mother, I require the wettest of foods. So it's very cute. They're so cute. It's so adorable. Like I think since like the scene at the zoo, I started to kind of root for them. And then the texting happened. And then he texts her and says, are you busy? And she says, Kaylin's asleep right now. But then... Hillary shows up and they get into a bit of an argument because Lauren has this like a big doofy look on her face and Hillary is like, oh, my God, like, I got to know who like what's who's behind this? Why are you like this? So Chris calls and Hillary is like, oh, I got to see who's calling. And she says, 
no, Lauren, no. And she says, isn't he still with that girl? Don't do this to yourself, Lauren. Do what? What am I doing? She shakes her head and folds her arms, eerily similar to Raven this morning. You know exactly what I'm talking about. What happened to moving on, leaving the past in the past, just having a relationship for Kaylin? Who says I'm not doing that? I laugh in disbelief. I know I'm not, but they don't know I'm not. Your face says it all. I can't be that easy to read. Hun, don't do this. I see this going so badly. And you know, if anyone knows disaster waiting to happen, it's me. Lauren says, I just want to be his friend. Can I at least be his friend? Hillary sighs. Friends, Lauren, really? What are you going to do? Be his best man at his wedding after he divorces you and marries that other chick? Okay, that was harsh. And Lauren just like snaps and she says, you know what, Hillary? You screw a lot of guys, a whole lot of fucking guys. And you know what I think? I think it's stupid and dangerous and you deserve better. And so Hillary snaps back. She says, say what you want, but I'm happy with my life. I know exactly what I want from the men I choose to deal with. I don't have any secret agendas or unrealistic expectations. When things don't work out for me, it doesn't break me. That's the difference between (laughs) us. If I fuck five guys tonight and they don't call me, I don't give a flying fuck. I won't shut down. It won't immobilize me. If this goes wrong, can you say the same thing? And FYI, what I tell you is because I care, because you're my best friend, not to be a bitch to you when you're saying something I don't want to hear. And then she leaves. Yeah. So good. Like, yes. Like, Raven and Hillary are just so worried about her, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Lauren's really getting swept up into this whole thing, and it's, it's God, it's, it's so messy. <laughs> it is. It's so messy. Her whole life is so messy. We We've talked about people before that, like, we wouldn't want to be friends with them, but we would want to be Facebook friends with them so yes. we, should, we could hear their drama. <laughs> Lauren is one of these people where it's like, <laughs> here's a picture of me and my daughter and her father and her father's wife or fiance. I'm his wife, of course, but that's his fiance. <laughs> my husband's family. girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, my husband's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'd be like yeah hard emoji (laughs) (laughs) i'd be taking screenshots and showing everyone like look at this messy ass situation so after hillary leaves we're in chris's perspective now and i thought this was fucking cute too because he starts over analyzing like why didn't she pick up oh my god he's like should i call her back (laughs) (laughs) they end up having a two hour long phone call just like chit chatting. Yeah, like shooting the shit and just a very casual conversation, getting to know each other without touching on anything that has to do with Cal or with Jenna. And so he doesn't realize how much time has passed until Aiden texts him and asks him why he's not downstairs because they were planning on going for a run. At 10 p.m., must be nice to be a white yeah, man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And so Chris also has this doofy looking face because he's smitten. He won't admit it. And every time he starts to have like a somewhat inappropriate thought about Lauren, inappropriate, not being like sexy or anything, mostly just like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking that other women are attractive because I have a fiance. He'll be like, oh, Lauren's so beautiful. Wait, but my fiance is more beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Do you know it's a Twitch emote slash meme? Copium, which is <laughs> Pepe the Frog with like the the dentist gas mask over over his face, inhaling <laughs> from from a from a tank labeled copium, like <laughs> like just shit you tell yourself to be able to cope. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> oh man, Lauren is beautiful. My fiance is more beautiful, copium. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fiance, guess who returns after being <sighs> away? Was she away or was she purposely like staying away because of the weirdness of the situation? I think he said she was away. I think maybe something lined up nicely mm-hmm. and she just happened to be away during this crisis in their relationship. So Jenna shows up and she isn't wearing her engagement ring and Chris notices and she so they they start talking she's like you know how is your visit with your daughter and it's very it's a very uncomfortable situation for her and she's so valid honestly Mm-hmm. And she says, I've been practicing how to say that without sounding like a complete bitch all day. Which is cute. Which is cute. And I was like, oh, like, is she going to be nice and just be uh, like rightfully uncomfortable? And it's going to be this whole thing where Lauren's like, oh, shit. Like, I love Cal and Chris, but Jenna's so nice and I feel like an asshole. So I was wondering, I'm like, because this is very cute. And I was wondering if it was going to be like an extra source of tension, which it wasn't. But no, luckily, they don't make it that hard. Yeah, no. And so she says, it's not funny, Chris. And he says, we don't have to talk about that right now. And she's like, no, it's important, right? I know you're ecstatic. I know how much you want kids. And she she asks about her, like, you know, does she look like you? She says she's beautiful. She looks just like you. And he says, I, I want you to meet her when you're ready. Her eyes widen not ready don't they live in chicago up until that point when she's like not ready Mm -hmm. and i was like i love that she's communicating that to him like i feel like that's so healthy you know to to say hey in the future yes but not right now i'm not ready for that it's a lot yeah Uh, and then she just turns into a huge bitch (laughs) yeah 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 it's like and this was the last time that jenna was ever sane yeah because then Chris tells her that Lauren and Kaylin are coming back that weekend. And so she's like, well, why can't you just go and pick up Kaylin? And Chris says, well, she's only a year old and has never been away from Lauren that long. She's still getting to know us. And he tells her that they will be staying two or three weeks. And so she's like, have you asked her about the divorce? <laughs> and he says, I'm going to. That means you haven't, <laughs> she says, her tone rising. It's just that so much has been going on, I try to explain. I can see her anger growing exponentially. What has been going on to keep you from making this a priority? Have you even found a new doctor yet? So much has been going on, Copium. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, she's rightfully pissed. Because it's like, that's your fiancé, sir. Like, and you're still married. (laughs) What are you doing? He hasn't even brought it up. Yeah. I like that Chris sucks in a different way than Cal sucks. He, he's just a little bitch. Yeah, when he sucks, he's like, uh, you, you fucking little wimpy little piece of shit. He's like pathetic. You, you milk toast piece of shit little bitch. Little pathetic bitch men. Chris has been putting this off and he's like, I'm still figuring things out. And she says, what is there to figure out? If you want a divorce, you ask her for it. If you want a new doctor, you find one. Her fists are clenched and she's shaking. How fucking dare you ask me where my ring is when you haven't even asked your wife for a divorce? I mean, like, they both have very good points. Yeah. Chris is like, hey, it's been two weeks since my life went fucking nuts. Can I have a minute? And also Jenna's like, hey... Please divorce your wife so that we can get married. 
It's so much, so much is happening. He admits that he's just trying to make this right for everyone and it's a difficult situation. And so Jenna says, you like things to be easy, Chris. You try to make everything easy for everyone. This just isn't going to be an easy situation. Yeah, she really sums it up. That's his entire character right there. And he's like, I don't want to spring it on her. And she's like, you're not springing it on her. (laughs) (laughs) Chris promises that he'll tell her before she goes back to Chicago, which is a wide frame of time. That's three weeks, sir. (laughs) I'll tell her sometime this month. So we skip ahead to Lauren's perspective. And I love her relationship with Chris. And she says here, he talked to me like a friend. I don't think Kala and I ever talked like friends. And it's like, yeah, y'all jumped into it like real quick. It's funny that because she and Chris can't fuck, they actually have to have a relationship. <laughs> and it turns out that they can have a pretty good relationship. Wow. Who would talking to somebody <laughs> <laughs> would be this good? <laughs> Also, I really liked this line here. She does a little bit of research on DID. The word altar makes me cringe. To condense a person into an altar, their life, their hopes, and their loves, I guess that's because I fell in love with the altar. So uh, uh, excuse the end there, but I was like, yeah, to condense a person into altar and like they have their own lives. And so I'm like, oh, yes, like, thank you for acknowledging that because it's been very like Cal is a part of him instead of like his own like person yeah that's another thing see when she says stuff like the word altar makes me cringe first of all me too (laughs) that's because i fell in love with the altar quote unquote and it's like that's the stuff that makes me feel like portia Moore can get it Mm -hmm. or does get it to some degree but then she goes for the singlet copium which is they're all oh you're all one person he's a part of you 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 share the same feelings mm-hmm. when it's like mm, i can tell you no yeah no, and not true not even true in text <laughs> <laughs> and like also a line that made me laugh a lot some people have as many as 10 or 20 altars oh my god dude that's so many oh my god i have 25 and oh that's my- like the average <gasps> I find it exceedingly rare uh, to have two. Like, I find it almost unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people definitely only have, like, one other system member. But at the same time, it's like, if I was writing this, I would be like, Some people have as few as two. <laughs> like, I know systems who have hundreds of members. Holy moly. Which I can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Like, power to them. But, like, it's just so funny. <laughs> Shit singlets, say. Jenna and Chris go to this event for Jenna's father or something. What does he do? He's like a doctor or something? Yeah, he's a doctor and her mother's a lawyer, which is probably why she's so high strung. Oh, for sure. (laughs) It's like a a fancy event and Lauren helps him get ready. He comes down looking like a used car salesman and she's like, you look terrible. Can I help you? (laughs) And so she does and sends him out and people like compliment him and stuff. And while he's at the dinner, he has a flashback induced by Cal, like a full on flashback where he like basically relives the moment like right there. Meanwhile, he's just standing catatonically in the middle of this party. And he has a flashback to this event that Lauren and Cal went to right before he proposed. Dexter 
who is Cal's step cousin, the one who knew about the DID beforehand and told neither Lauren nor Chris. Dexter is like, don't marry this girl. Just don't. This is a bad idea. And you know it is a bad idea. Cal, marriage is an entirely different animal. It's not something you'll be able to hide or take back. He says, looking me in the eye. I'm not stupid. I know how marriage works. I'm doing it. I love her. He says simply. Dexter shakes his head and takes a long sip of his drink. I'm going to need you to back me up on this. I want it to be legitimate. He says seriously and Dexter laughs. He walks closer to him, looking him directly in the eye. I'm serious, Dexter, he says pointedly. So you're planning on telling her the truth? Dexter counters. Cal scowls at him. Of course you're not, he laughs mockingly. I'm quite impressed that you've been able to pull off some version of a serious relationship. I must give you that. But marriage, to be able to pull that off with your condition and without telling her the truth, you would have to be Houdini. He spits bitterly, rising from his desk and pouring himself another drink. Cal walks towards him. You're right, he says, patting Dexter on the back. She's just my plaything. I'm going to go play with her now, he says sarcastically. Let's not worry about any of this now. It's a party. Eat, drink, and be merry. I think I'm just doing Snake Jailbird from The Simpsons now. (laughs) You have to like slowly evolve it until it goes back to Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's not worry about any of this now. It's a party. Eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) Maybe I won't marry her. You know me, always kidding around, since my life is a big fucking joke. Cal, you know I didn't mean it like that. I'm just trying to keep things fair, Dexter says tightly. Why don't you stop playing fucking referee for a minute and know that I need this, he shouts at him. I need her. And I can hardly believe it, but Dexter's expression shows a hint of sympathy. I think that's really good. Oh, yeah. Where he says, like, I need this. Because let me tell you, I have been there as a system member. I think most system members have been there where they're like, I want one thing to myself. I Mm -hmm. want to not have to like live my life by committee for like one day for one thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like I'm not a fan of relationships where like I need you in like a a codependent kind of way. Mm -hmm. And this bores on the codependent kind of way. But honestly, the rest of this bit, where he drives out to this river with Lauren and he has sex with her there and they have like a little romantic talk. It like really feels not codependent. It feels like genuine love. You make me happy, she says quietly, taking his hand. I feel a smile spread across my face. Chris, Chris is narrating this. If things ever got hard, would just being with me make you happy? He asks her. She frowns. I'm not here for the expensive restaurants and fancy cars, she jokes before kissing him on the cheek, and he laughs. If you lost your job and became a hobo who had to ask for money on the corners, I'd still love you, she says, squeezing his hand. He laughs. You live in a cardboard box with me? No, but I'm sure after I graduate, I could afford a two-bedroom place for us, she jokes. What if I were sick? Would you take care of me? Yes, sir. Are you sick, Cal? She asks seriously. No, these are just rhetorical questions, he tells her, and relief washes over her. I'd be the best nurse you ever had, she says. And it's like, this really makes me believe in them. I know! If you had put this book in front of me and just given me, like, the most basic summary of the first book, and was like, read this, I would be like, 
this kind of slaps. Yeah. And then if you put the first book in front of me and be like, read this now, I'd be like, this blows. Why would you do this to me? <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like one version is the canon version of Cal and the other is the fanon version of Cal. Yes. But I don't know which is which. Oh, God. Is the canon version of Cal the one who sucks all the time and the fans are like, but I can save him. Okay. This is the definitive answer. Mm -hmm. People on Wattpad would write him like an asshole. People on AO3 would write him like they do in the second book. Okay. So, so the AO3 canon Cal is the asshole Cal. And everyone there is like, I can, I can save him. Mm -hmm. And the Wattpad canon Cal is the one who's not an asshole, but the Wattpad people are like, I can make him worse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and like worse in every sense of the word. I'm talking about like a worse person, but also like written terribly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Wattpadders. AO3 supremacy. <laughs> oh no. It almost feels like somebody else wrote this book. Yeah, you're so right. It just doesn't feel like the same character. Mm -hmm. There's like a couple of moments, a little bit later on I'll talk about it, where I see it, I see the little kernel of the cow from the first book, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's toned down. Yeah. And I like it. But also, I wonder, I'm like, is that an intentional choice? Because it's like, oh, because of Chris's influence. And it's like a sign that they're merging. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the stuff that we see Cal in is the past. Mm -hmm. And the one time where I'm like, oh, I can see the little bit of asshole Cal is when he's in the present. Ah, gotcha. That's just my thought. Anyway, so Jenna takes him home. And on the way home, she says, and I fucking quote, FYI, I don't want Lauren picking out your ties, your shirts, what you eat, or the names of our future children. She says, her anger increasing with each syllable. I have a note here that says, okay, she's gone a little nuts. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> damn, bitch, that's excessive. And it's like, this is the border. This is the border where I'm like, I really get it here. Where she's acting like really insecure because she feels really insecure. Mm -hmm. Because... Honestly, they are a little insecure in this relationship. Oh, for sure. Because Chris is like fucking in love with Lauren and he does not want to admit it. Mm-hmm. And Jenna sees it and does not want to admit it and does not want him to admit it most of all. She says, this is the last argument I want to have about her, Chris. I am so serious. I don't think it's our last argument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so after that whole thing with Jenna, Cal sits down and is talking with his father Mm. And his father's like, I'm sure you're aware your mother and I have disagreed on the issue of Lauren staying here. I think it's best if you establish some type of boundaries between the two of you. Oh, we haven't talked about that yet. What? Lauren staying, like in the room. Oh, right. Okay, so rewind here mm -hmm. real quick. When Lauren comes back to Madison to like stay, she's originally planning on staying in a hotel. Mrs. Scott is like, by the way, I wanted to show you something real quick i want to show you a little surprise and she opens up a room and it's like this this like toddler room and she's like you shouldn't have you you like made a whole room for her in, in your house and she's like well she's family and there's a full-size bed in here so that you can stay here too because you are also family now yeah and it's like 
what the what the hell this is so cute yeah and she was like essentially she's like this room was built around the idea that you would also stay here yeah and so lauren is deeply uncomfortable at first she's like this is really nice i do want to stay here but like does chris know (laughs) and she's like is chris okay with this and Miss Scott is like, yeah, he it was his idea. It's fine, Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Huge, don't worry about a dude energy. Huge, it's fine, Pocahontas energy. <laughs> 2023 is the year of it's fine, Pocahontas. It's fine, Pocahontas, it's fine. Then Chris gets home from work. By the way, we find out he's a substitute teacher. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> was really surprising to me. Yeah, that's like, okay. Yeah. With your whole ass job. Yeah, I guess Chris has a master's in teaching. (laughs) Chris pulls up in the driveway and Mrs. Scott runs out to intercept him. And she's (laughs) like, by the way, Lauren is staying with us. I told her it was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what the hell, man? I love her. She also hasn't told her husband yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And she's like, "Uh, (laughs) we'll deal with it. (laughs) <laughs> she's like i had she doesn't say this but my head cannon's like how dare you refuse this to me after i had cancer <laughs> i feel like she would use that card but like not to be an asshole but to yeah. be like how dare you just a joke about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> lightheartedly i freaking love her she's great i love how she's playing wing woman a little bit mm-hmm well because we do learn later on that she doesn't really care for jenna she doesn't like jenna either <laughs> But Chris's dad loves Jenna. Oh, yeah. Which, like, I wonder why. Because y'all are both hard asses and high strung. But I also think she also likes the fantasy of, oh, my son and the mother of his child being together. Mm. Which, like, yeah, it's a nice it's a nice thought. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, you go, girl. You play wing woman. We do find out that they're a little bit of a quote unquote traditional family, which I'll talk about in a little bit. (laughs) Okay, so fast forward again. Mm -hmm. So Chris's dad's biggest concern is that Lauren is a trigger for Cal coming back. And he does not want Cal to come back. And Chris says, Dad, if Lauren was a trigger for Cal to come back, he already would have. Which is a good point. And his dad says, Chris, I don't think you're taking this as seriously as you need it to be. I stop and turn around. I think you're taking this seriously enough for the both of us, I say. And he's shocked. I'm shocked. It's what I wanted to say, but usually there's a filter between the things I want to say and the things I actually say. I walk up the stairs. I should feel bad or guilty, but I don't. I feel good. I like the moments where Chris grows a spine. Yeah. And every time he does it, he's like, that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's like Chris. I think it's just like, you know, like, oh, like, see, it's 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 the Cal in him that's showing yeah, like through. Cal fronting like a little bit. Yeah. We'll see more of that later, but. Mm -hmm. I don't know. This one to me feels like Chris actually standing up for himself a little bit. Mm -hmm. I highlighted this bit and I forgot how Mm -hmm. much I like this. So Lauren's thinking about her relationship with Chris and Cal and how different they are and how confused she is because there's one second where she's ready to give up on him and then something will happen that will give her hope again. So she's thinking about her relationship with Chris He let me in. Chris did. And that's all I really needed. I could learn to love Chris. I already love Cal. Jenna could never love Cal. 
she'd be running for the hills if he came back. That control she likes to wield, talking to Chris like he's her six-year-old, would never fly with Cal. Okay, so they talk, she talks about integration, and she says, if Cal is anywhere in there, I'm not giving him up, especially to someone like Jenna. And so I'm just like, you can love both of them, and then exactly. the three of you will be in this beautiful relationship. Like, fuck out of here with that integration shit. Cal and Chris, package deal. Jenna could never love Cal. It's true. Lauren can love both of them. And she does. Mm -hmm. I really want Lauren to meet Vaughn. Oh my god. I really want them to have like one single conversation. <laughs> Even though these books take place like four years apart. Sadly. <laughs> <laughs> An eight hour drive apart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I go through the border? <laughs> <laughs> they can have a Skype conversation. But like... You know, it's not it's not hard to love both of your partner's system members. Mm -hmm. And you only got two to deal with, and they're both adults. Yeah. And honestly, they're both, I mean, now that Cal's character has been redeemed <laughs> in this book, they both are pretty great. Yeah. Like, you could do a lot worse. <laughs> honestly. And super hot. So, like, girl, you're <sighs> fine. Exactly. You don't need to, the singlet normative bullshit of like, oh, let's make everyone one person. Anyway, I'll save more rants for later. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of my favorite reveals of the entire book. So one evening, Chris goes over to Jenna's house. She She's like, hey, you want to come over? And he's like, yeah. So he shows up and she's in like a, she's in a robe, I believe. He sees that and she's in a robe and he was like, Oh, it looks like you're you're just about to go to bed. I can I can leave if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "No, you should stay. I'm glad you're here." She like crawls into his lap and like starts kissing his neck and stuff and let me let me just read this in its entirety. It's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> she says, "What's wrong?" And he says, "Nothing's wrong. I just miss you." I say, pulling on her onto my lap. She smells good like she always does. Her hair is down, but not perfectly straight, and in place the way it usually is. I like it like this. I run my hands through her hair, and she murmurs softly. That feels good, she says, as my fingers drag down her back. I'm really glad you're here, she purrs before shifting her position. She's wearing a light blue robe that she starts to take off, revealing an oversized school t-shirt and boy shorts underneath. I've been wanting to talk to you about something, she says, kissing my neck. What? I ask, while my hands creep under her shirt to take off her bra. I think you should move in here, she whispers, and I go stiff. She leans back to see my face. I thought we agreed on waiting until after we were married and found a house, I remind her. I know, but after everything that's happened, it seems a little silly. I thought you coming over here showed you agreed with me about all this waiting, she says defensively. It makes no sense now, and Chris says what Cal and Lauren did has nothing to do with me. As soon as the words leave my mouth, Jenna's eyes shoot daggers at me. I can't believe you just said that. Her tone is low and venomous. We can't even get married until you get divorced. Now she's shouting. We've been waiting for everything. Waiting to move in together. Waiting to have sex. Waiting, waiting, and waiting. <sighs> and now you're waiting to ask your wife for a fucking divorce. I get up from the couch and head to the door. I want to do things the right way, Jenna. We've waited this long. Waiting until we're official is important to me. That's how my parents did it. That's how I want to do it. I tell her sternly. And let me tell you. <laughs> oh my God. Literally, 
the Virgin Chris versus the Chad cow. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Like, uh, you know, obviously people's people's sexual choices are are none but their own. But like, it's so in character. And yet I'm also like, really, man, come on. <laughs> and also considering they don't really see Cal as like a separate person, they see him as part of Chris. It's like, okay, so you will have sex with this other woman, but you won't have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> you know, when we first talked about it, I thought it was cute. I thought it made sense. That it would be special. It's doing everything the traditional way, even if it was a little old school. But now it's just stupid. You've already been married and you have a baby. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> no one waits to have sex and move in together anymore. You're right, they don't. And most people don't even make it three years before they're divorced. I fire back at her. To which I have a note here that says, Shut up, you dork-ass loser. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, what a weird turn for this character. Normally I associate this sort of, like, waiting until marriage thing with being, like, really Christian. Mm -hmm. But Christ comes up nowhere in this series. Nope. But I know that Portia Moore is is deeply Christian because her first acknowledgement in the back is to God. Oh. Like, not, not judging. But, like, are we just supposed to assume the good Christian values? I think so. It's so odd to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, like, it's just so funny to me. I can't even really articulate why. <laughs> it's just like, Chris, you're, you're such a fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts on this? It is very in character for him to be a fucking virgin. I, I just think it's so funny. Just he's so different from Cal. <laughs> oh, my God. If Jenna only knew. Yeah. Oh, my God. How many girls that Cal has seen? I mean, here's the thing. I full, Well, virginity is a, con is a construct in general. Mm -hmm. But like, I fully believe that as a system, you can lose your virginity multiple times mm -hmm. but it's it's just so funny to me that chris thinks that he's a virgin then one day a woman shows up on his porch with a baby <laughs> <laughs> a baby that looks exactly like him he's like the virgin mary kind of oh, uh. in a sense oh new headcan for the bible <laughs> mary has did <laughs> Oh, God, if Jenna only knew how many vagines that dick has been in. <laughs> oh, no. Jenna, get tested, I beg you. <laughs> so Jenna says, I'm not taking no for an answer. Either you move in here by the end of the week or we're done. And Chris seems to momentarily grow a spine. He says, then we're done. Jenna's eyes widen and her mouth falls open. What? I said, I'm not moving in with you. I'm not fucking you. And we're going to do what we talked about or we're done. My voice is low and stern. I don't recognize it. The words are exactly what I wanted to say, but they were not supposed to come out. Jenna's face is red and she looks speechless. Since I've known her, she's never been speechless. <laughs> I walk over, put my fingers on her chin and lift it up so she can look directly at me. The rules are about to change, I say, and she looks confused, her lips parted. I bring her mouth to mine, kissing her roughly on the lips. I think she's going to snatch away, but she doesn't. Sweet dreams, Jenna, I say as I turn and walk out the door. When I'm in my truck, it finally hits me just what happened. I expect Jenna to run out on the porch, screaming or blowing up my phone with obscenities, but nothing. I can't believe that just happened. 
that I just said those things to Jenna and she didn't say anything. I'm embarrassed. I should feel embarrassed. It was terrifying, but exhilarating. The worst part is, it felt good. Hell yeah. So we later find out, or it is basically spelled out to us, that that was most likely Cal's influence, because Chris doesn't remember this the next day. Yeah. He's like, we started fighting about something, and I remember kissing you, so it must have been pretty good. <laughs> Let's go on well. Anyway, next morning he texts her like, good morning, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jenna rightfully is like, what the fuck? <laughs> But also, here's the thing that I wanted to talk about with Jenna and Cal. Mm-hmm. I think they could be good together. Really? Allow me to bring the bard into this. Uh, Shakespeare's famed play, The Taming of the Shrew, <laughs> which is a story largely about abuse. But let me bring in Shakespeare's more accomplished work, Ten Things I Hate About You. Hell yeah. <laughs> which is based on The Taming of the Shrew. And I think Cal could be the Petruchio to Jenna's Katarina. I think that he could whip her into shape and have her stop pushing people around, and I think that she can keep him in line. Oh. I think that they could be really good together. Frankly, I think the solution here is really obvious. You just swap. <laughs> oh, the, the old switcheroo. The old switcheroo. Despite everything I've said before, I think Lauren goes way better with Chris. Oh, and for I sure. I think that Cal goes way better with Jenna. Oh. I think that, you know, normally opposites attract, but I think similarities attract here. Mm-hmm. Both of them are, are like stubborn, pushy people who don't take no for an answer. <laughs> I think that they could balance each other out fantastically. Okay. What are your thoughts? I feel like you are correct, but they would never allow it to get to that point. Oh, no, never. Like, they would never even give it a chance. But <laughs> if, for, if somehow they did, it would work. Yeah. I think that in an alternate universe where they got married first and then Jenna finds out about Cal and meets him, I think that I could see a book where she falls in love with Cal the way that she fell for Chris. Mm-hmm. And that is its own, like, little story. Yeah. That's my fan fiction. Okay. I'm writing that now. Yes, do it. On AO3, not Wattpad. <laughs> yeah, AO3. I can, I can, I can fix her. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just see it and I think it could be good. I think this love... I'm just a poly bitch here. <laughs> I'm a plural poly bitch and I'm like, this is so easy. Everything's fine. Just chill. You've got it covered. Relax. Just stop being jealous, you weirdos. <laughs> Or just be jealous in a healthy way. Talk about it. Talk about it. No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I tried. So the next morning, Lauren wakes up. It's early, and so she makes her way to the bathroom, but she hears hushed whispering. I peep into the living room and see Jenna and Mr. Scott talking, which also, damn, it's like 6.30 a.m., Jenna, the fuck? Gotta get up on farmer time. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. I start to turn around and go back to my room, but something tells me to stay right where I am. He said that to you last night, Mr. Scott asks, his tone quiet and concerned. Chris has never talked to me that way, Jenna says, her tone louder than Mr. Scott's. I was worried this would happen with Lauren staying here, he says bitterly, and I feel my heart speed up. What happened? I can't for sure say that he's Cal because I've never encountered him, but from the way you've described him, she says, and my heart is now beating a thousand miles a minute. 
If Cal is back, the one good thing is that Lauren is here, he says timidly. He won't leave with her here. I'll talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he's like, I was hoping to speak with you. In the most awkward way possible. Yeah. And so his wife's like, oh, is everything okay? He's like, yeah, you know, I just want to show her around the farm. We haven't had a chance to do that. I want to get to know her a little bit. And she's like, all right, so are you really giving me a tour? Do you want to talk to me about Cal? <laughs> and she's just like, all right, let's let's cut the bullshit. Let's get straight to the point. Oh, my God. He says, I take it you heard Jen and I talking this morning? I nod. How much did you hear? He asks. Enough to know that you think Cal is back. I don't think Cal is back. Jenna does, but she's not entirely sure, he says, letting out a shallow breath. I think if Cal were back, all of you would be gone by now. Which he's right. <laughs> Ever since you showed up on this doorstep, everything that was good for our family has started to unravel. That's because you chose to let your son live a lie, I interject. I want what's best for my son, he says. I think you want what's best for yourself, I state plainly. He laughs as if I'm joking. Cal coming back, existing, resurfacing, whatever you want to call it, will destroy our family. That might not matter to you, but eventually he will destroy your family, he says. Oh, God. And then we ha we get into more integration nonsense. Mm. You do understand that in order for Chris to be well, he and Cal have to integrate. There is a reason he exists and he's not going away. Mr. Scott scoffs. Cal won't integrate. He wants to take over. I'd have thought you would have figured that out. That's the real problem. He's Christopher's rage, his impulsiveness, his bitterness and anger. I shake my head furiously. That's not all Cal is. Oh, little girl, wake up. The goodness that you saw in Cal was Christopher. I thought you would have recognized that by now. If Cal comes back, it will be to take over. And the kindness and self-control he managed to exhibit, everything that was Chris, will be gone. He's going to be like a tornado, destroying everyone and everything in his path. He can't help it. That's his reason for existing. Can I, can I read some of my notes that I have here? Yes, absolutely. You do understand that in order for Chris to be well, he and Cal have to integrate. I wrote, shut up, nerd. <laughs> he's Christopher's rage, his impulsiveness, his bitterness, and his anger. I wrote, he's also like a person. What? <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, little girl, wake up. I wrote, throwing hands, throwing hands. If anyone said that to me, it, it's on it's on her, her, her hearing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's so much. Mm -hmm. this this conversation is so much the one important thing we glean here is that chris's father knows a little more than he leads on mm -hmm. about cal later on they're gonna go out to a bar but then they decide to go roller skating instead because uh lisa isn't <laughs> i guess allowed in the bar because she just got suspended for reasons we will never know and honestly i kind of dig it yeah <laughs> And apparently this happens sometimes. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her. She's amazing. I love teachers outside of like the school. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, look at you. Like being <laughs> being adults now and having teacher friends. It's like, I see what you get up to. <laughs> it makes me wonder what some of my teachers were doing. I know. I'm like, my, my band teacher, my favorite <laughs> history teacher. So they go roller skiing instead. And Chris invites jenna why is it why is jenna come along is this after their fight no it's before the big fight i'm okay, pretty it, it, sure but, it, but it's after their fight about one, yeah. one of their fights yeah after that fight but before the the big fight yeah and before Jesus. the other big fight and the big fight with the big fight in it oh my god <laughs> anyway 
So Jenna somehow ends up tagging along. And Jenna has a miserable time. Yeah. Which I kind of feel bad for her. Yeah. It's like she didn't really want to come in the first place. And she has class tomorrow. Chris's friends don't like her. <laughs> Lauren doesn't really like her. She's just there for Chris. And Chris is entertaining three other people, essentially. During this whole ro roller skating time, Aiden is helping Lauren and like teaching her how to skate. So he's very, getting very friendly with her. <laughs> And Chris is not happy about that. And Jenna even says, like, why'd you bring me if he, bring me here if you were just planning on staring at her all night? And it's like, damn, like, true, though. Rightfully accused. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Lisa is, is mostly skating by herself and having a nice time and <laughs> occasionally hanging out with Aiden and uh, Lauren. And so Chris and Jenna come to this, like, minor, like, almost blowout. In the, the roller rink, which is <laughs> the funniest and saddest thing. The, the middle of nowhere Wisconsin roller rink blowout between <laughs> the fiancés. <laughs> the middle school drama. <laughs> <laughs> Too real. Basically, Jenna is like, I want to go home. I have class tomorrow. And Chris grows a spine. He's like, I'm not done yet. Lisa ends up being the biggest bro of all time. And being like, I'll drive you home, Jenna. <laughs> also, Jenna confronts Chris about that conversation later. And she's like, he basically told me to go fuck myself. Yeah. And it's like, he did not tell you that. <laughs> no. Nope. Fucking liar. And Chris is even like, I can't imagine me saying to, to Jenna to go fuck myself. <laughs> or to go fuck herself. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't. And he didn't. She's just a liar. <laughs> <laughs> So they go to this burger joint and Lauren's like, you know, I used to occasionally go to places like this with Cal. He had like a really soft spot for like shitty diners. <laughs> You'd think he would be like a five star dining kind of guy, but he really wasn't, which I think is is cute. That's not something we ever heard. No. And it's so like it's so endearing. Yeah. Like, yes, he's a he's a whole ass person. Like, give me more of this. Not this bullshit from the first book. Yeah. First of all, Lauren asks if Aiden is single, and Chris gets so jealous and mad. He's like, why? <laughs> Not quite like that, but that's what he does internally. And she's like, I wanted to, wanted to set him up with my friend Hillary. <laughs> Lauren tells uh, Chris about her first date with Cal and how they went bungee jumping and then went to a shitty burger joint. Which, wow, romance. We didn't get to see that. And if we if we saw that in the first book, I would feel a, lot, a little better. Yeah. Portia Moore is just making shit up to make the book better. It's like like retconning. Not really. Yeah. A little bit, though. Ret additioning. <laughs> we were at a table just like this. She lets out a light breath and she lightly bites down on her lower lip. She stands up and now she's sitting next to me, only a few inches between us, so close I can smell the hint of perfume she's wearing. I can hear her unsteady breathing, and my heart starts to race a thousand miles a minute. It's like everything around us has disappeared, and, it, and it's just us, me and her. I wanted him to kiss me. She sounds breathless, like it took every ounce of air in her to say what she just did. Her eyes are on mine, big and bright, and her lips slightly parted. She wants me to kiss her. It's like she's silently begging me to. She hasn't said it, but she doesn't have to because I can feel it. I want to kiss her more than I've ever wanted to kiss anyone. I need to kiss her. I've never felt like I needed to do anything more in my life. 
but does she want me to kiss her? Is this urge I'm feeling my own or his? If I do this, there will be no going back. That line we have between us will be gone. It'll change everything. After Cal possibly being out yesterday, everything is too murky, and I can't make a decision like this now. It'll have too many consequences. Aiden will be back any minute, I say, breaking our trance. And they both feel so fucking stupid at that time, at that point. <laughs> yep. She's like, holy shit. I, she's like, I fucking misread the situation. And Chris is like, God damn it. I wanted to kiss her. And so Aiden comes back and he's like, did I miss something? <laughs> uh, and she's and Lauren says, I, you didn't miss anything. I'm just tired. And so they leave. And she says, thanks for everything tonight. I had fun. So she's attempting to appear cheerful, but it looks like she's on the verge of tears. But none appear. She's strong. You're so fucking weak. Like the inner voice says. Oh, yeah. Cal occasionally talks to Chris during yeah. this time. Here are the keys, Lauren, I say to her. She's in the backseat of her own car. I'm begging her to look at me, to let me know that she's okay, that we'll be okay, whatever it is that we are. But she doesn't look at me. She hasn't since that moment at the restaurant. She grabs the keys from my hand, keeping her eyes downcast, and quickly gets out of the car. When she's in the house, Aiden looks at me with an angry glare. What the fuck did you do to her? I don't know, I mutter. That's a lie. I think I just broke her. Rip. Damn, R.I.P. Lauren. That's the end of the book. She's fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day, Chris has a conversation with his mom. She says, like, I know that Jenna was really helpful for you while I was sick, and I will forever be grateful to her for that. But I know you love her, but I kind of wonder if you're in love with her. And that blows Chris's mind so much that he has a panic attack. The kind where you think like you're fucking dying. Like he he literally thinks that he's having a heart attack. They literally call 911. Yeah. Which like, I mean, apparently that that can get fucking bad. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's it's kind of nuts, but also kind of funny because of what preceded it. Where he's like, oh, no, I might not actually love my fiance. Oh, fuck. I might love my wife. <laughs> 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 every every street man <sighs> how am i supposed to relate to funny memes on the internet about hating my wife if i love my wife <laughs> <laughs> and so lauren calms him down she sits on top of him on his lap yeah it means on his lap but yeah. when they pictured i thought he like was on the floor and she like straddled his chest I was like, I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> okay, he's on, he's on the couch. Like, why sit on him? To, like, get him to, like, really focus and to, like, to hold him. I actually thought this was pretty dreamy. Oh, for sure. I mean, the fact that she was able to bring him down. Yeah, she stops his panic attack. Yeah. She says, deep breaths, Chris. Everything is fine. She says, stroking my head, holding my cheek close to her breast. My chest relaxes and air starts to fill my lungs again. I feel my temperature cooling, my heart slowing to a normal pace. It's going to be okay. Breathe through your nose now, she says, continuing to stroke my head. Her voice isn't shaky anymore. Instead, it's calm, sweet like a lullaby, and all my senses slowly return to normal. I love that so much. I love that Lauren is, like, taking charge in a situation. She knows what to do. She's doing it, and she's doing it well, and she's fucking saves the day. I also really love what follows where Chris says, you saved me, I say gratefully, looking up into those big hazel eyes. I didn't realize how much I missed seeing them until now. 
She shakes her head. You weren't dying, she giggles. I almost died, my mom says, breathing <laughs> with relief. She holds a hand to her chest. Like, they're so cute, the three of them. And then, then the fucking dad shows up. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, having panic attacks in my house? Go fuck yourself. Are you some kind of, some kind of liberal snowflake pussy or something? <laughs> <laughs> Mental health. We ain't had that in my day. We didn't have none of this PTSD. We had shell shock and we were men about it. And now everyone has all these fucking letters, LGBT, ADHD, <laughs> and, and these pronouns. <laughs> I say too real, too real. <laughs> all these people having sexual intercourse before marriage. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> I've only ever fucked my wife. <laughs> oh, so we talked about the villain part already. Yep, we did. We we have this flashback where he, where he moves in. Also, I I find the the little like sexy flirting they do cute. Mm-hmm. Because Chris has never felt the touch of a woman, <laughs> and <laughs> oh, that really got you. Off. <laughs> and. <laughs> And this is the first memory he's had, like, in first person. <laughs> she rubs his crotch, and he, like, playfully, like, rolls onto her and pins her down and kisses her bunch. And it's honestly really cute. Like, I know that in the last book, we talked a lot about Cal forcefully doing sexual things with her, even if she enjoys it, feeling, like, really weird. But this time, it's like, she says, like, stop, Cal, please, like, while she's st giggling still, and he does stop. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, man of the year. <laughs> <laughs> where the fuck was this in the last book? Yeah, where was this man? <laughs> this is a different man. I feel like this guy body snatched the real Chris. <laughs> so Lisa and Lauren. Oh my god, the names. Lisa and Lauren talk about the idea of Lauren maybe moving to Madison. Because housing is really cheap there. Like, under $100,000 cheap, which is nuts. Lisa's parents are renting a two-bedroom house for less than $600 a month. Like, hello? Bitch, what the fuck? My rent could pay three months of rent there. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Yes. And Lauren could maybe get a job as an art teacher at the school that Lisa and Chris work at. Which seems a little far-fetched, considering that Lauren just says that, like, drawing is a hobby. We've never <laughs> heard whether she has actual talent at it or if mm -hmm. she's having, just, you know, having fun. Well, she's got that freelance editing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She she's got Cal's bank account and freelance editing. She'll be fine. Also, the house, if she were to buy it, would cost less than $70,000. Yeah, that's insane. Is housing really that cheap over there? Or does Portia Moore just like not understand that property is expensive? That's in Wisconsin. House cost 2014. So in Wisconsin, the median price for a house is like between $120,000 and $160,000. Jesus, that's so inexpensive compared to over here. Yeah. So I'm going to say that's still crazy low, but at the same time, it's not like unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's like a little bit of a fixer upper. Lauren comes home one day, like to the Scots home, and she sees this car pulled up 
in the driveway <laughs> and it is Hillary's car. I didn't understand her vanity license plate, did you? No. M E B for you. Me oh, me before you. Oh. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> and both Hillary and her Aunt Raven are there, like having tea with Mrs. Scott. It's just so awkward. Mrs. Scott is trying real hard to make it okay. Oh my god, she tries she so hard. The poor woman has been trying so hard the yeah. entire book. It's so nice to meet your family, Lauren. We've been getting along wonderfully, she assures me, possibly reading my dear caught in the headlights look, especially when Lisa waltzes into the room. Mm -hmm. So how'd it go? She asked me excitedly. Oh god, no. Lisa, do not say anything. How did what go? I say tensely, trying to give her a hint that this is not a subject that I want to be brought up with Hillary and Raven sitting here. Oh, don't worry. Lisa brought us all up to speed about the house you were looking to rent from her parents, and your idea of possibly going back to school, Hillary says with fake enthusiasm. I think it's such a wonderful idea, <laughs> Mrs. Scott smiles genuinely. I would have loved to know when that decision was made. Raven folds her arms across her chest. <laughs> so Mrs. Scott and Lisa leave the room for a little bit. Raven and Hillary are both like, Hey, Lauren, what the fuck? <laughs> and she's like, let me live my own fucking life. I don't have to like run every decision by you. And Raven says, everything is moving so fast, Lauren. You haven't even been here a month and you're thinking about relocating. Raven says in a hushed tone of her own. Chris's bedroom game must be seriously off the fucking charts, Hillary mocks me. Oh my god, I say, covering my face out of embarrassment and anger. Hi. When I hear his voice, I want to crawl under the table. How much did he hear? He picked the absolute worst time to show up. Are we interrupting? When I hear her voice, I want to vomit. No, not now, not now. I turn around to see Chris watching awkwardly with Jenna standing next to him, the same scowl on her face I've become accustomed to. And I was like, oh my god. It's so messy. Oh. They, they've really brought the whole sitcom together here. Yep. <laughs> the whole cast and crew. <laughs> oh man. Then Mrs. Scott is like, dinner's ready. <laughs> I love this bit. Think of the most awkward day in your life. Now let's multiply that by 100 and you're still not likely to reach the level of discomfort I've experienced today. Honestly, girl, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the whole gang's here. The whole gang's here. Hillary, Raven, Chris, Jenna, Mr. and Mrs. Scott, Lisa, and Aiden. Jeez, Aiden showed Aiden up too. Up. I think I think Lisa called Aiden and was like, You gotta you gotta <laughs> see this. Uh, she absolutely fucking did. Because she's a messy bitch too. She loves mess. And like she and Aiden are very similar. And so she was like, bitch, you gotta. <laughs> Luckily, everyone everyone who's eating loves the food that Miss Scott cooked, so it makes things a little bit easier. Hillary isn't eating, apparently, for reasons unexplained, much like why Lisa got suspended from the bar. I think she's just, like, angry, where she's like, I don't want anything to do with these people. Fair, yeah. Jenna is, like, staring daggers at Lauren all night across the table, and Hillary, who's sitting next to Lauren, is like, what the fuck is her problem? <laughs> <laughs> and Lawrence has just let it go. And here's where it comes out to Chris that Lauren is potentially moving to Madison. So we've got a whole nother layer opening up here. 
quote, Jenna's eyes look like they're about to jump right out of her head and roll across the table. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an idea I've been tossing around. I wanted to talk to you about it first, I say quietly. Don't you think you should take more time to think about making a move like that? Mr. Scott interjects. I agree, Jenna says sharply. Chris shoots her a warning glare. I feel my patience wear thinner and thinner by the minute. So Jenna, like, totally blows up and mrs scott is like oh you know like the like chris and laura need to have this conversation in private and jenna's like no this isn't just something for them to talk about i am going to be chris's wife this involves me she says pointedly to mrs scott do you understand that lauren you two are over and you should start acting like it no more talks between you and chris anything you say to him needs to be said to me as well her tone is acid jenna this is not the time chris interjects Are you kidding? I ask her in disbelief. No, I'm not kidding. And since we're on the subject, when are you signing the divorce papers? And Lauren's like, the divorce papers? And Chris is like, I haven't (laughs) talked to her about that yet, Jenna. (laughs) It's so good. Yeah, he's like, this isn't the time. No, it's exactly the time. And Hillary says, shut her up or I'm going to shut her up. (laughs) Oh, I love her. I forgot I love Hillary because she was acting like a bitch for most of this book. But Hillary's real. You're going to shut who up? I know you're not referring to me. I hear Jenna screech. I feel a push on my... This is Chris's perspective now. I feel a push on my shoulder. Are you going to let this trash threaten me like that? Trash? I turn and see water coming at us. Lauren's best friend has just thrown water in Jenna's face. Whoa, Aiden says. Jenna is about to return the favor, but Lauren's friend has nearly leaped over the table, ready to grapple. I quickly grab Jenna, pick her up, and drag her out of the door. Jerry! Jerry! Oh my god, me me filming this, putting it on Worldstar. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) Portia Moore really, like, wrote 500 pages to just serve up this scene. It's so messy, and I loved every <laughs> second of it. I'm like, yes, give me this drama. Oh, my God. Also, Jenna storms out, and Chris's father is like, you just let her leave? And it's like, Jesus, Dad, if you love her so much, just why aren't you fucking marry her? Yeah, right? Oh, and then Hillary meets up with Chris at some point, and... She says, at first I thought you were lying. I didn't know whether to believe all this or not, but now I know you're not Cal. She says, looking at me bitterly. I sigh. Why is that? I ask. Cal would never let anyone talk to Lauren like that. She says before getting up and brushing past me. I think this is the first time in my life I'm embarrassed to be myself. I highlighted that too because I was like, damn. Yeah, she really got his ass. And Aiden says, dude, I think I'm in love. (laughs) And follows after her. I I ship it. Oh, God, me too. OTP. Lauren called it correctly that they would be good together. Oh, yeah? I think Aiden wants her to, like, lift him over over her shoulders and throw him out a window. Oh, 100%. He's so valid, honestly. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so then Raven talks to Christopher. She says, I'm going to be blunt here. I've tried to convince my niece that she should come back home with us. I understand. I nod. She glances up at me. She's refused. I'm not surprised. I'm upset, but not surprised. She's still stubborn as all get out. But of course, you know that. Or maybe you don't. She sighs, rubbing her head. I want my Lauren to come home in one piece, Christopher. I'm not generally a harsh person, but I want to impress upon you the importance of what I'm saying to you. I understand, I tell her genuinely. 
I don't think you do. Most people don't want to hurt anyone. It just happens. She's been through so much. If you're confused about all this, if you're in love with that other girl, just let Lauren go. Don't play with her. Don't string her along. We're going to be stuck together for at least 17 more years, probably even longer than that. You do not want to be on my bad side. And with that, she leaves me standing in the room alone. So that night, Kaylin is up crying all night because she's teething and it hurts. Chris comes into the room and he's like, I want to to try and help. (laughs) Lauren is so very mad at him because she found out he was maybe going to serve her divorce papers. (laughs) The way that he is just so like adorably concerned for Kaylin, he bounces her up and down, hugs her close to him, makes silly faces at her, but the crying goes on and on. Is she okay? Should we take her to the doctor? After five minutes, he's worried. He's an amateur, which I thought was very cute. Yeah. He just has no idea what to do, but he wants to help so bad. He's very concerned. So cute. That was a little dreamy moment for me. Same. And also then he's like, hang on one second. And he comes back with his guitar and he plays like a a little medley of, of children's tunes for her and sings while playing. And he can sing. He can sing. And Lauren just gets so wet over this. Okay, let me tell you something. Mm -hmm. As much as I don't want to be this person. This would get you. It it, it would get me. I'd be like, oh, motherfucker. (laughs) Like, not if they serenade me. If they serenade me, I'd be like, you're a fucking weirdo. But like, if they were doing that to like, soothe a child and like the guy can sing and play guitar, I'd be like, fuck. Oh, no, it got me. I'm I'm so basic. I I would fall for that shit. Gentlemen, please uh, turn your turn your music books to page one thirty seven. We are going to be playing Baby Beluga to serenade <laughs> Nicole. Who? Baby Beluga. Oh my god, I'm sweating right now. <laughs> Similarly, I had this highlighted Mimi. I recognize he's playing London Bridge, but a slower version. It's beautiful. <laughs> London Bridge by Fergie. <laughs> How come every time you come around my London, London, <laughs> wanna go down like London, London, London? <laughs> but like acoustic. Anyway, I also did like, it takes me a minute before I know it's a song that's on my iPod playlist for Kaylin. Oh, Mr. Sun. Cute. He plays it fast and slows the tempo and starts to sing. And oh my God, can he sing? And not like the average karaoke singer, but as if he were on one of those talent shows where all the teenage girls would be crying when he's done. The funny thing is, he started off nervous and a little unsure of himself. Still, as he keeps playing, the nervousness melts away, and he's completely confident in what he's doing. He's good, and he knows it. He looks up at me a few times with a small grin. He plays like it's therapeutic for him. Kaylin has drifted off to sleep, so I put her in the bed. I sit in my rocking chair, watching and listening. I close my eyes, feeling all the stress of the day melt away. And then his voice is like a mix between Ed Sheeran and Connor Maynard. Maynard? Menard? Maynard, I think. Never heard of that other man, but Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Thinking out loud. Ed Sheeran of Yesterday 2019 and Bridget Jones's Baby 2016? Uh, Ed Sheeran of that one episode of Game of Thrones? Seeing Game of Thrones, he was, really? Yeah, he was like a like a soldier or some shit. That's so funny. Ed Sheeran played the role of Eddie in Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 1, Dragonstone. He was a member of the Lannister army that Arya encountered when traveling through the Riverlands. Oh, and he sings in it in the episode. What a shock. Yeah. Ed Sheeran loves to be a man named Ed who sings in movies. Yep. Uh, one thing I did not appreciate... 
Oh yeah, the weird comment after. Yeah. Okay. Well, this this it's like kind of funny at first. Like, if this were Cal, I know for sure he would be trying to seduce me. But this is Chris, and I don't know if he realizes the effect this is having on me. Because yeah, Cal would fucking use this to pick up chicks. <laughs> If he plays one more song, I'm pulling him out of this room and being charged for sexual assault. B- excuse me? You could have phrased that a lot more lightheartedly. You could have just not included that line. That is true. That is very true, that, Portia. That, that did not need to be in there, Portia. Portia, this is an intervention. We we like you now. Yeah. But you're on thin ice, Portia. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because later on, Chris does get the shittiest memory of Cal, which is the first scene from the first book, which is where he like has her pressed up against the balcony. And she's like, no, I don't want to fuck you, Cal. I'm so mad at you. And he's like fingering her. And he's like, you love it. And, you know, well, damn, it turns out she does love it. Yeah. And reading that again, I was like, oh, I hate Cal. That's yeah. Oh, right. like, yeah, he sucks. But, like, literally, if they hadn't included that, I would be like, I think Cal is fully redeemed. But, I don't know. Nah. It's just one one bad thing. Oh, also, he tells her that he wasn't planning on serving her divorce papers. Yeah. Which is really like, ooh, what are you going to do there, man? You can't juggle two people like this unless you're deciding to be Polly, in which case... (laughs) (laughs) You should tell one of these two people, at least. (laughs) So... He has an appointment to see a new doctor in the big city of Chicago. And Lauren asks him if he would like for her to go with him. And he says yes. So they travel there together. He does, I would like to say he doesn't just say yes. He says please. Yeah. Which was very nice. Also, he says that he wants to slow things down. Part of the reason why he wants to do this appointment is he wants to talk about things and like figure out what the, like, what the hell he needs to do. Yeah. Yeah, so he's seeing Dr. Clemens, and he has a couple of forms to fill out. Let's see. I was wondering, did you ever have to fill anything out like this? Uh, not this extensively. Mm-hmm. Typically, they just do this in, like, a first interview Yeah. with you. Like, in the first session, they cover, like, why you're here, what's going on, what's going on in your life. This many things were, like, first of all, in the ebook as written, it only lists one, two, three, four, five, six. But in the audiobook, it lists way more numbers. It doesn't list, list like, more items on the list here. Mm-hmm. But it says, number one, do you have frequent dizzy spells? Number two, do you have obsessive feelings to communicate but are fearful of doing so? Number three, do you have frequent panic attacks? Number 42, do you feel isolated even at social gatherings? Number 79, do you have seemingly unshakable addictions, drugs, tobacco, food, or sex? Number 102, do you seem to hear voices when no one else is around? Oh, shit. And it's like, you don't tell somebody, like, show up 15 minutes before your appointment to fill out paperwork when the paperwork is answering, like, hundreds of questions about their, like, psychiatric history. Yeah, that's fucking bonkers. Yeah, just save that for the appointment. Yeah. But I have taken, like, some of the tests that were talked about later on. Mm-hmm. Because when he meets with the doctor, she's like, I think it would be good to take a couple of tests. One is the Dissociative Disorders Interview Schedule, the DDIS, and then the Dissociative Experiences Scale, or DES. I believe I've taken the DES at some point, but I distinctly remember taking the MID, which is the... the... what? It's MID? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty MID. (laughs) Multidimensional Index of Dissociation, which is like a 150-question quiz 
and it like ranks you on um likely conditions you may have based on your answers like it can screen you for borderline personality disorder osdd did which actually that was the one thing that like it did screen me for like a little bit of did it was like this is weird that you said and that thing was do you sometimes hear like screaming or crying inside your own head and i was like yeah doesn't did it's so weird to say like isn't that normal <laughs> but like you're the only one who experiences this and it's like i i don't get to experience whatever you experience nicole so it's mm-hmm. like for all i know that that might be normal and like nobody talks about it yeah and like nobody's ever asked before <laughs> yeah but yeah like when bad things were happening i used to hear like screaming and crying inside my own head which like is disturbing oh for sure like I see your face just just like <laughs> eyes bulge out yeah here. like oh god that just sounds nightmarish it's it's pretty bad yeah but yeah that was one of the things that that it flagged as like a subtle sign of DID that was like hey maybe look out for this mm-hmm. but actually that test said you probably have borderline personality disorder partly because it has a question there that's like have you ever lied to doctors to make your condition seem more serious than it actually was? And it's like, yes, because I'm a trans woman with a history of medical trauma and not being believed by doctors. Is I have to exaggerate everything to make it better. Yeah. And my autistic ass is like, yeah, of course. And <laughs> meanwhile, the test is flagging me as potential liar. Wow, rude. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that was just my thing. <laughs> So the the short answer is, no, I didn't have to take anything that rigorous before seeing a therapist. Most of the time, they just kind of vaguely screen you over the phone being like, what do you want to see me for? And then at the first session, they're like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. After he's done filling out that form, when he gets called in for his session, Lauren waits in the lobby and it says, I look back at Lauren, who is smiling widely and giving me two thumbs up like I'm about to be up for a bat in an all-star game. Which is cute. very cute. Yeah. It's, it's so dorky and cute. Like, yeah. Good luck. You're going to do it. You're doing great. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the doctor straight up asks him, how do you feel about Lauren? And he says, I've never felt the way I feel about her. It's like we have a connection, but that would be crazy because I haven't known her long. I don't know her like I do Jenna. I feel like I shouldn't feel this way. And I'm afraid that the feelings aren't mine. Mm-hmm. Also... Before that, real quick. Yeah. The doctor says, I'm surprised that the pressure you've endured hasn't caused your altar to surface. She says the last part seemingly impressed, which made me go, mm. Mm. And then also the fact that Cal reached out to you. Alters usually prefer to stay hidden. She says, still scribbling away in her notebook. Uh, yes and no. There is a point where they don't. And they crossed that point a while ago. Mm-hmm. And like, it is more surprising that Cal is still staying as hidden as he is. Yeah. Because if I were Cal, and I'm, I, I empathize with Cal a lot. If I were Cal, I would be in this session. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, yeah. I would have taken half this session and been like, listen, <laughs> there's this whole fucked up drama going on. I just want to be with my wife. My wife. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> I'd probably do that. <laughs> Cal would be a lot better if he did Borat impressions in the first book. Yeah. Where was that? Portia. Yeah. <laughs> Second edition. 
And then we get into some integration talk again. Our goal yeah. is to integrate that portion of your personality, the portion created to help you cope, back into the fold, so to speak, making you whole once again. Oh, God. Wait, I have I have some notes here. Oh, yes, hit me. Alter, I interject. God, let there be just one, first of all, which is very funny to me. <laughs> Alter is part of you. You share the same feelings that he does. And I wrote, shut the hell up with your singlet normative horse shit. <laughs> Cal was created for a reason. What my job will be is to find is to help you find out what that reason is. Our goal is to integrate that. You read this uh, <laughs> making you whole once again. And I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, quote, our goal is to make you a normal member of society again. Hammer out all those pesky deviations. Yeah, you fucking weirdo. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to integrate with him. I want him gone. I say quietly as if Lauren can hear me. And I said, I said, good luck, bouncy boy. <laughs> and I thought this this was genuinely funny because this is such a such a fucking oak response, to be honest. Like old school oak, not reformed, realized he's a dork oak. <laughs> it's normal for you to feel at odds with your altar. However, he is a part of you, Copium. <laughs> I can only liken it to cutting off your own foot. I'd get a prosthetic. <laughs> I, I just found that genuinely funny. <laughs> she gives him some homework, which I find very sweet. Also, she's like, I'll see you next week. Uh, girl, this was a four hour drive. It's fine, Pocahontas. <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing better to do. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> this is just a bit of homework. I take the piece of paper and read. Find three things that you like about Cal. And it's like... It's just, it's just aw, like aww. she wants them to get along. Aww. And really, you, he should be finding things he likes about Cal. Yeah. Our therapist never gave me and Sandra that homework for each other, but we eventually found that homework mm -hmm. because she and I started off like really butting heads because we were both hosts, if we're using that term, and insisting that the other person <laughs> was not and should go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just thinking of, like, Shadow the Hedgehog and, like, the faker. <laughs> <laughs> wait, what? Wait, wait. You gotta show me. <sighs> let, let me do a dramatic reading here. I found you, faker. Faker? I think you're the fake hedgehog around here. You're comparing yourself to me? Ha! You're not even good enough to be my fake. I'll make you eat those words. And then they fight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Honestly, yeah, that's what it was like. <laughs> and eventually, Sandra and I, when I first started seeing our therapist, I said that Sandra and I agreed on three things. We agreed on music, anger, and sex. The, the sex was with each other, for the record. <laughs> Just throwing, I've, I've not talked about that on our YouTube channel. But yeah, we were, we were hate-fucking this whole time. That was how it was for a while, but we gradually found a respect for each other. By the end of the year, like five months, oh, oh, a whole Jenna and Chris <laughs> engagement later, <laughs> Sandra was saying like, Chloe and I will never be best friends, but I respect her and I appreciate what she does. And I like her. Mm -hmm. And by like our one year anniversary with that therapist, I said out loud, I love Sandra. And I do love Sandra. She's my partner, you know, mm -hmm. or not like, like dating or anything, but she is, I almost said she's a part of me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but like we're tied, you know? Yeah. So I think that they could have a really good thing. Mm-hmm. I think that Chris and Cal should start fucking is what I'm saying. Hell yeah. <laughs> Where is that book, Portia? <laughs> My fanfic. Chris is not allowed to know the touch of a woman, <laughs> but can he know the touch of a man inside his own head? <gasps> Ooh. Let me tell you, you singlets have not lived until you have experienced advanced masturbation. Advanced masturbation? <laughs> I don't have the prerequisites for that core. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Three things that he likes about Cal. One, stroke game probably fucking rules. <laughs> Two, has a ton of money. Three, pull game killer. One hundred percent. That's yeah. it. also during one of these scenes chris's narrator says disassociation uh in the audiobook Mm -hmm. even though it's written dissociation Mm -hmm. in text i'm like please show me the ass in this word ass ass and also he goes out to the car with lauren he's he's sulking he's pissed at the idea of having to find things he likes about cal which is like mood (laughs) (laughs) But he gives Lauren a piece of paper and she, (laughs) I unfold and have to bite my cheeks to keep from smiling. So this is why he's been sulking, (laughs) which I thought was very cute. Also, she says, I somehow thought he'd come to terms with the fact that Cal is him. It's like, girl, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shut, shut, shut the fuck up. Portia, shut the fuck up. Bow, bow, (laughs) bow to her, bow to the queen of singlets. (laughs) (laughs) okay so he's like he seems pretty tired and so lauren suggests that they go to her and cal's apartment oh also she tells chris off oh yeah he's he's like i don't want to do this and she's like you don't fucking have to you don't have to see her again if you don't want to grow fucking spine Mm -hmm. (laughs) good for her good for her good for her (laughs) anyway you were saying so lauren suggests that they Go to her and Cal's apartment. We could order some food and get a couple of hours of sleep before hitting the road again. You might even be able to knock your homework out in one day. So Chris is like, why not? So they go to the amazing apartment building that they live in with fucking valet. Mm -hmm. And he has this memory of like pushing her up against the window and like spreading her thighs and fingering her and shit. And it's like kind of hot. And he's meanwhile is trying so hard not to pop a boner. Uh huh. <laughs> he says, "Can I get a glass of water or something? My voice is shaky." She looks at me curiously for a minute, but then she nods. Sure. Kittens, grandma, SpongeBob, rats, math. I mumble, trying to think of every turn off I can. He's like, "Oh my god, this is so hot! I'm going to die." <laughs> okay, so they're there. He has a very explicit memory because, and he's a horn dog. Hmm. <laughs> chris is like not in my christian (laughs) headspace oh also he starts talking to chris to cal out loud because cal is actually like directly talking to him in his head (laughs) he's been doing this a little bit Mm -hmm. but chris has decided to answer for the first time Mm -hmm. he thinks to himself like cal is screwing all this up for me and cal says no need for me to enter no need for me to interfere you're screwing this up all by yourself there it is again. I close the door behind me, walk over to the needlessly large mirror and stare at it, which is very cinematic for the <laughs> ID. 
You are an asshole, I say into it, and I can't wait to get rid of you. Such language, Chris. Sorry, but the mirror isn't going to talk back. We don't have hallucinations. Go away right now. My anger is getting the best of me. But we haven't had any fun yet. This is fun for you? Making me talk to myself, driving me crazy, destroying Lauren's life, it's fun for you? Chris, who are you talking to? Lauren says, her voice slightly raised. How much did she hear? I really am going crazy. May says, uh, I was talking to my parents. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, man. Sure. Sure, Jan. Sure, Jan. <laughs> so they go into storage and, like, look through Cal's things, and it's cute. There are some cute moments in there. Chris is like, all this shit is really expensive. There is, like, a, a, a down payment for a home just in this box of watches, mm-hmm. which I'm going to tell you. It's probably down payment for a home in one of those watches if he's got like a Rolex. So oh, a yeah. Col- Coladia, whatever. Like a Cartier. Or Cartier. Yeah. That's it. I just said my own name. Col- <laughs> Coladia. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably what, like 12K? That's enough for a down payment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Madison, Wisconsin, almost certainly. Yeah. That's like half of the cost of the house. <laughs> I'll set you for rent for the next three years. <laughs> and he's like, the school does a clothing drive every year. Selling all this stuff could make a lot of money for the fundraiser. And Lauren says, you want to sell all of it? I only bring this up because I think it's so funny and quaint that Chris thinks that Cal will let him sell that. <laughs> the second that Chris picks up one of those watches with the intent to sell it, Cal is taking over and putting the watch back in the box and driving away. <laughs> he's in way more control than Chris knows. And it's just quaint that he thinks that he's not. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm the real one, not you. Exactly. Not like, faker, you're the fake hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> also, Lauren gets offended when Chris starts saying like, oh, Cal's really hoity-toity. Which I also thought was kind of cute. <laughs> She's like, he likes nice things. He's not he's not a stock up richy rich type. Yeah. So they go back up to the apartment. They're like hanging out and Chris walks over to the sofa table and picks up one of the pictures. And he says, I've seen this picture before. And it's a picture of Kaylin when she was only a few months old. And Lauren asks, where did you see it? And he says, I don't know. After a few moments, I turn toward him. Cal came back the night of Kaylin's birthday party, I tell him quietly. I think back to the night when I heard his voice and how it turned the little world I had been building upside down. Maybe you saw it then, I offer, seeing how much effort he's putting into looking at the picture. My last blackout, he says, shaking his head. He didn't talk to you? I shake my head. No, he didn't talk to me. I heard him talking to Kaylin over the baby monitor. He gave her a bracelet. Maybe you saw it when you were here, I offer again. He shakes his head. No, if I had seen it, then I'd remember all this. My memories are really vivid. That's a surprise to me since he said he only seen bits and pieces of things. But I thought I'm about to ask when he snaps his fingers and a realization dawns on his face. My doctor's office, he says excitedly. I look at him strangely. Your doctor has a picture of Kaylin in her office? Not the one I saw today. Dr. Lice. I haven't seen her in a long time. I stopped because, well, it's a long story, but that's where I saw this. That can't be right, Chris. Your parents said they didn't know about Kaylin. They knew about me, but not about Kaylin. Are you sure that it was this picture and not another little girl? I know this is the one I saw, he says. How could they do that? How could they lie about something like that? 
if they had that picture, it had to come from somewhere. I didn't give it to them. The only people who have that picture are Raven, Hillary, Angela, Helen, and Michael, I say aloud to myself. Who's Michael? He asks, his head snapping up to look at me. Just a friend of mine. Girl, do you mean Steven? <laughs> Portia, do you mean Steven? Oh my god! Yeah! He was the good one. Michael was the yeah. asshole, right? Michael was the asshole ex. Steven was the good guy. Portia, did you write the wrong name of the man who does not matter? Uh-oh. <laughs> anyway. I guess Helen could have given it to Dexter and he gave it to your doctor without your parents knowing, I say, trying to figure this thing out. Helen is Dr. Lice's first name, Chris says, and I frown. What? Dr. Lice, I think her first name is Helen. Are you fucking kidding me? No, no way. So she looks it up and Helen, Dexter's wife is Dr. Lice. Which is such a conflict of interest. Oh, 100%. I'm pacing the floor. Helen was his doctor, my friend Helen. Helen stood in front of me when I found out about him and pretended to not have a clue about what was going on. I cover my face with my hands. I feel sick, the sense of betrayal washing over me. All of this time, I thought I had an ally, that she was just as clueless as I was. And so she says, we're going over there. And so they go over there and she fucking punches her or something. Yeah, she throws hands with Helen. Yeah. And they get kicked out. Like before Helen can even really say anything. Yeah. But also it's like, girl, doctor, patient confidentiality. She couldn't tell you shit. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, what do you think of this twist? Um... I didn't care for it. I think it's fucking stupid. I thought, I'm just like, okay. Like, I forgot who Helen was. I was like, who the fuck is Helen? Yeah. It's just needless drama at the end of this book. Yeah. That's had, like, a lot of good drama. Mm-hmm. And, like, what is the point is my question. Okay, so here's here's what I think is supposed to be implied. Helen and Dexter, who are friends with Lauren showed the picture to Cal and they knew where he was and they could access him for brief periods of time. And so they told him about the baby. He comes back there and gives her a DLG bracelet. <laughs> and maybe they also told Mr. Scott because Mrs. Scott did not know. It seems very clear to me that she did not know because she seemed genuinely surprised. Mm -hmm. But I think that Mr. Scott has been dreading this day. Yeah. I don't know. It's a mess. Yeah. It's just so pointless. Yeah, because I, I know they've been kind of like building up to it the entire time because it's like, oh, I, that's why I don't see this doctor anymore. Conflict of interest. And it's like, okay. He had a good enough reason to, to not see this doctor anymore. She didn't fucking tell him he had DID. Yeah. So I don't fucking know. That was a whatever reveal. So they get kicked out. <laughs> they go back to Madison and Chris walks in on Jenna, like sitting down and staring at her phone and crying. And he sees pictures of Cal and Lauren on their wedding day because they're just like on the Internet. Turns out their wedding was apparently a big event. Girl, why are you torturing yourself? Oh my god. Why would you do this to yourself? Like, this is honestly, like, kind of self-harm. Like, you know this is gonna make you upset. Oh my god, it's so bad. And so she's scrolling through these. They look normal. They look happy. Worst of all, they look like they're in love. I take the tablet from her, and she lets it go without a fight before covering her face with a pillow. I try to think of something to say to comfort her, but I've never been good with words. I rub her back. I feel sick. I'm the reason she feels like this. That's why she's crying, why she's hurt. 
I didn't want it to be real, she wails. I didn't want what they had to be real. It's one thing for them to have a child. People have kids all the time and aren't in love, but this, this makes it real. Tell me, she squeaks out, sitting up. Tell you what? I'll tell you anything to make you stop feeling like this, I say, putting my arm around her. Tell me you don't love her, she says, looking me directly in the eyes, and I think my heart almost stops. Those pictures aren't of me, Jenna. I don't remember any of that, I say, taking her hands, trying to comfort her. That's not what I asked you. I'm not talking about Cal. Tell me you don't love her. You, Christopher, tell me that you don't have any feelings for this woman. And he says he can't. Yes. (laughs) Yes. The next day, Chris is like, hey, uh, why don't we drive out to Chicago, Lauren, and we can pick up some more of Cal's stuff, my stuff. Uh, You want to come with me? And she's like, sure, whatever. And then it, it like pours rain. The entire way. The metaphor is Portia. <laughs> and so they have to like stop off at a hotel along the way. They get checked into two separate rooms. <laughs> no sharing the bed trope. No, only one bed trope. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays some voicemails on speakerphone. And one is from Lisa being like, hey, like, can like call me back like as soon as you can. And one from his mother being like, hi, we're worried about you guys with this storm. Like, where are you? And one from Jenna saying, Christopher, I love you so much. And I didn't mean what I said earlier. I don't want this to be the end of us. I immediately sit up in the bed. Chris quickly takes the message off speaker. I look over at him questioningly. Did they have a fight? If so, what about? I'm going to go check out my room, he says, taking his charger and phone with him. So she she goes into like a spin of like, what the hell is going on? And she's like, God, like, what am I doing? Why doesn't he want me? Because he wants her. She hears him on the phone in the other room. And he says, I do love you, Jenna. And she's like, I need a drink. Yeah. And like the mini bar is full of nonsense. And she's like, nah, I need a real drink. So she goes to the bar. She goes to the bar and she's like, I'm going to be a new Lauren, a new Lauren who doesn't get girly drinks. Give me a Rika on the rocks. I say with a smile. There aren't many people at the bar, and he sets me right up without any weight. I grab a straw and take a sip. God, this is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Which got a good laugh out of me. That's a mood. Yep. Drinking vodka on the rocks looks a lot better than doing shots as if I were still in my early 20s. Girl, you are in your early 20s. Girl, you're 25. Relax. (laughs) Okay, you're in your mid-20s, but whatever. Still, it's like early (laughs) mid-20s. You're 25. You can no longer do the things you could do when you were 24. Oh my god, me at 28. I can't do the shit I used to do at 23. It it takes me days to recover. I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) And so some unnamed man hits on her at the bar. (laughs) And Chris shows up. He's like, we gotta go. But he's acting very jealous and pissed. And it's, it's it's very Cal. Mm hmm. And Chris says, Lauren is definitely a sight to behold when she's drinking. She acts like a bratty 10-year-old. She rolls her eyes. She stomps and pouts. I had to frown to keep from letting her see me laugh. <laughs> Which I really did picture Lauren as being the um, that gift from Squeen- Scream Queens. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> For real, though. Oh, so she starts crying. And she's in the bathroom for like 10 minutes. And he's like, can you please come out? And she's like, you don't want me to come out. I'm an emotional mess. You're not prepared to deal with this version of me. And he says, I'd love whatever version of you is in there to come out. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. 
I feel a smile spread across my face. I think of the way she smiles, how she bites her lip, how she steals glances at me when she thinks I don't see. The way she takes care of Kaylin, how even when she's mad and pouting, she has the most angelic eyes and kissable lips. Lips I've never taken the opportunity to kiss. And he's like, you're going to make me sing to you if you don't come out here. And she's like, you're an amazing singer. That's a terrible threat. (laughs) So he says that he will tell her a secret if she comes out. And she says, a good one or a boring one? Well, if it's boring, I'll go in the bathroom for the rest of the night. Okay, so she pops out and she says, all right, what's your secret? And he tells her that he has remembered things. He says, I remember the first time that Cal told you he loved you. Her breath catches in her throat. When you were moving and you said you didn't see him as the villain, I continue swallowing the lump in my throat. Her eyes fill with tears. I remember him telling Dexter that he needed you. I say and take a deep breath. I I remember how much he loves you. I finally look over at her. She lets out a breath like she's been holding it for years. Her head falls back against the wall, and while the most beautiful smile I've ever seen spreads across her face, an array of emotions, hope, joy, and relief cross her face. And I did my homework. The three things I like about Cal are, he met you, he made Kaylin, he brought you both into my life. My heart beats faster, her breathing starts to quicken. Chris, you can't say things like that to me and think I can do this with you. I look at her confused. I stand up and walk over to her, inches between us disappearing as our chests touch. Do what? I ask. As she looks into my eyes, I think she must be trying to read my thoughts. Pretend I can be your friend, that I'm not in love with you. She breathes out desperately. Do you love me, Lauren? What do you mean? She asks quietly. I need to know that you love me. I ask her honestly. She looks at me intently. The time passing between us seems like an eternity. You're right here, and I'm in love with you, Chris. She says, standing on her tiptoes and bringing her lips to mine. She kisses me softly, but with such pent-up passion that it takes my breath away. I pick her up and pull her as close to me as possible. Before I know it, we're on the bed. I'm kneeling over her, and she looks so beautiful. I want you, Chris, she says pleadingly before pulling me down on top of her. And then they bone! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get a little sex scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Except... Okay, one small thing. Yes. Okay, couple small things. Okay. One... I have a dreamy highlight. He looks at me as if I'm his everything, taking in every inch of me. <sighs> then I have a Mimi because <laughs> she thinks about how like she's had so many like sex dreams about Cal over the last couple of years because she's not really she has not touched anyone <laughs> since then. And I can't breathe. I'm too scared to breathe. If I move too fast, I might wake up. And I thought to myself, what if this was like a whole occurrence at Owl Ridge kind of thing where right here she wakes up and it's like two years prior and there there's no hope of finding Cal. He's just gone. She's pregnant without anyone. This this was all just a dream. It was all a dream. It was oh, all a dream. I was, I was, the idea of that was so funny to me. <laughs> she takes off her clothes, everything except for her underwear. She says, thank God I'm wearing good underwear, which is funny. And then she says she's wearing a white cotton thong. The bravest woman in the entire world. Uh Uh-huh. See, he removes his own pants and underwear, and I feel every muscle in me contract as I look at him. He's perfect. His thighs thick and muscular. And the one thing that I missed that I know like the back of my hand is standing at attention. He lies down on top of me, kissing every part of me. It's sweet torture. 
His lips kiss my collarbone, then my neck, trailing down my stomach as his fingers slip beneath a simple white thong and remove it. He takes in my body with his eyes again. I've never been so turned on by someone just looking at me this way. He lifts my right leg and begins kissing it, making his way up my thigh. I'm going to die if he's not in me soon. My breathing is short and I can't control it. I'm so turned on that as soon as his lips touch me there, I come undone. I pull his hair between my fingers, grabbing it as his tongue slides into me. I cry out. His free hand moves to my breast and it's not long before I shatter. I pull away and he looks up at me, smiling but confused. I need you inside me. It takes every ounce of energy for me to barely whisper it. And just like that, he is. The part of me that's been gone is now back. I am complete. And that's it. Portia, you tease. I know, Portia. Where's the porn? Portia, I I knew that there was going to be a sex scene at the end of this book. Like, I plotted the whole trajectory of this Mm -hmm. book from about the halfway point. I was like, there is going to be a sex scene at the end of this book. There has to be. And I was so mad that this was it. Because, like, I I really liked the buildup in this. Yeah. I thought a lot of the buildup here was was pretty hot. This is like, I wanted more from the sex scene because it's like, because the buildup, like this would have been, mm-hmm. this was satisfying. Like I was satisfied. I was like, oh, like, yes, we got it. After all this tension, mm-hmm. all this buildup, but I wanted more. I was like, that. then, then it would have been, I, I would have been fed, you know? Yeah. And we would have gotten one of three like male virgin stories we've had on this podcast. <gasps> yeah. Brings out congrats on the sex cake for Ka- for chris congratulation you did it <laughs> but yeah so so then lauren wakes up the next day and chris isn't there and she's like eh, he probably went to get breakfast or something and then like the day slowly ticks by and he's just not there nobody knows where he is at 4 30 p.m he finally texts her back and just says, what? I would have been so fucking mad. <laughs> I would have turned on a tracking app that I had pre-installed on his phone because I no longer trust him. <laughs> and, and been like, I'm, I'm hunting you down. Coming for your ass. <laughs> what? Is he kidding? My blood starts to boil. I'm going to kill him. Is he for real? And so... She was like, I'm not going to text him. I'm just going to fucking call him. And he picks up. Hey, he says shortly. Hi, I say just as short. Where are you? Why haven't you been answering all day? I was completely freaking out, I say frantically. Penthouse, sweet A. See you soon. And then the call goes dead. She goes into the lobby and there's a key to the penthouse suite left there for her. She goes up to the elevator and she's like, how the fuck did I end up in this pit? You're probably wondering how I ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> so she she enters the, the penthouse suite. She takes a deep breath. My eyes stay on the floor for a few seconds. Don't tell me you're scared. That won't make this much fun. His words vibrate through me. I can't ignore the goosebumps popping up on my skin. I look up and see him dressed in a black fitted t-shirt, dark wash jeans, a gleaming Rolex on his wrist, and his arms folded across his chest. The only thing missing is that cocky-ass grin on his face. Instead, there's an angry scowl. Hey, gorgeous. You happy to see me? (gasps) Oh my god! The next installment of the If I Break series is available here, Link. Love the series. (laughs) It's not... This should be a question, Portia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love the series? No, love the series. Join other readers in my exclusive Facebook group here. But instead it says, love the series. Okay. 
Scamand. <laughs> is the next book the last book in the series? Yeah, it's the last book. Oh, fuck. I kind of want to read it. I know, I know. <laughs> if it were two, we could maybe be like, oh, it's too many, but there's only it's one only, more. We have book. to. We have to finish this epic it. trilogy. In a couple months, we'll we'll take on the third if I break. We can do like sequel September. <laughs> yeah, because guess what? A third Cameron Glenn comes out in June. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Oh, we, that means we can do it again. Oh, God. <laughs> fuck. Anyway, that's the end of the book. That's the book. All right. Smash your pants. What, what, hang on real quick. What fucking theatrics Cal has? Oh, my God. He couldn't I know. just come back to their room. He he had to go and rent the the penthouse suite and like disappear all day to go and get his things so he can look like himself. He can't just like kick down the door to their like regular hotel room and be like, it's me. I'm it's me. I'm back. <laughs> I'm I'm just thinking of um uh Bojack Horseman where he's like in the living room waiting for Hollyhock to come back and he's like, Hello, Hollyhock, and goes to turn on the light, but the light bulb's dead and he's like, ah shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, Nicole, let's move into rankings. Smash or pass Lauren Brooks. Well, Lauren Scott Knee Brooks. Honestly? smash yeah this book is a smash yeah i like this lauren i think this lauren is cool she fucking had to go through it to grow a spine and since i we do plan on reading the third book i hope she fucking keeps it i hope that now mm -hmm. that cal's back she doesn't like turn into a mcfucking worm again that is my biggest fear for the third book mm -hmm. that it's it's just going to be if i break one Point two. This time there's Chris. Oh, God. Smash or pass Chris? A soft smash. Agreed. Because I think that Chris needs to grow a spine. Mm -hmm. I think that once he's away from Jenna, he'll stop being a little bitch baby about mm -hmm. everything. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. Soft smash. One more. Mm oh. Nicole, smash or pass Cal Scott? Oh, my God. In this one? Smash. Smash! I don't, it's probably because he wasn't really in this book that much <laughs> that I'm like, oh man, this guy rules. <laughs> but as soon as like they give him more screen time again, I'm gonna be like, oh, that's why I hate. Like, oh, Cal. this guy fucking sucks. <laughs> he blows. But in this book, he's a smash. He is a little cocky sweetheart. You know, the bit where where he kind of forcibly fingered her. Mm -hmm. I'm going to divorce that from the first book and be like, maybe maybe this is like more more playful than we get to see. Yeah. Okay. Copium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, smash or pass Lisa? Smash. Smash. Uh, smash or pass Jenna? Oh, pass. Pass, yeah. She, I'm, I'm sorry. She's kind of a shrew. <laughs> uh, smash or pass Aiden? Uh, pass. He's just not my type. He's a little broy for me. I'll say like smash. I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. Smash or pass Hillary. We I think we did this in the last book too. Yeah, Hillary can get it still. Yeah, she's a smash. Raven. Raven can kind of go fuck herself. I don't like Raven. I didn't really like Raven in the last book either. Nah, she was really cool with them fucking in her pantry, but. Whatever. She was. She was cool with that. Okay. So now, Claudia, how steamy mm -hmm. was this book? I, I I mean, I'll give it a one. 
yeah. a very generous one. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of giving it a 0. 0.5, but like, you know, the, the end of sex scene was like, okay. Mm-hmm. It's just not sexy throughout. Yeah. Like, I agree with the one instead of like a 0. 0.5 or something because of the buildup and we did get mm. some kind of payoff. So that made it a little more satisfying, despite the fact that we didn't get much substance. Yeah. So yeah, a one, but it's like not a bad thing. Yeah, no, yeah. not a, I mean, for second wind, we gave that a zero for steaminess, but we were like, this book's pretty good. Yeah. Nicole, what do you give this book for dreaminess? Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to give it a 3.7. Ooh. There were some good moments in here, and then also really good moments with with Cal. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay. I did like this. I liked this a lot more. Oh my God. So the first book doesn't even compare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I really got to know and love Chris and Lauren. Lauren, we already knew already, but like she's better in this book. Oh my God. Yeah. She's got a new hat and Cal even gets like a a new look. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's better, too. And he's more romantic, too. Yeah. And like, what was the most romantic thing he did last book? Like, beat the shit out of that dude? Yeah. And get married on Pearl Harbor Day? Impregnate her? Yeah, that was was (laughs) the most romantic thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, a lot of my rating, too, is because I was rooting for them the entire Mm -hmm. time. I'm like, I can't not want them to end up together. I'm like, I'm obsessed. Like, they need to be together. So that was a lot of it for me, too, where I'm like, wow, I actually like this couple. I want them to work things out. They work well together. They do. So, Nicole, what do you give this book for meaningness? Oh, God. I think I'm also going to give it a one on this. Really? Yeah. I don't think it was super meany. I'm giving it like a comfy little two and a half. Okay. I think there was some funny stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. I really, oh God, that messy dinner scene is so good. Oh, that is really That's good. It's worth the price of admission alone. I lied. Me. I'm going to raise my to, to a 2.2. Okay. There we go. Like there's, there's some funny little things throughout. Like I really enjoyed, I have 38 Mimi highlights. Are you kidding oh me? God. What the hell? I liked finding out that Chris is a big eater. And the fact that he has horses that are named after candy. It's cute. <laughs> He's got Butterfinger and Reese's Pieces. <laughs> the infamous pie eating contest with his dad. There is also one moment where Lauren is in the car with him and she's like, he's really like so great and giving me so much hope. He hasn't really done anything yet, but and just just saying he hasn't really done anything yet, but really got <laughs> me for some reason. It's just so good. And of course, some people have as many as 10 or 20 altars. I don't know. I, I thought this book was fun. Yeah, the, the fucking dinner scene with everybody there yeah. was just so messy. I loved it. It was so good. Overall, this was a pleasant reading experience. I was so deeply surprised. I can't get over it. Yeah, no, I finished this yesterday mm-hmm. and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I just could not believe it. Yeah. Just, oh God, it's just so much better than the first one. Most improved player. Portia, if we didn't shit talk your first book so much in this episode and imply that we shit talked your first book Oops. so much, I would I would at you mm-hmm. in this, even though I don't think you're on Twitter anymore. You know, if you happen to hear this, DM me your address and I will send you a certificate as most improved player <laughs> for 2023. For real, though. Signed by the both of us. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So did we want to briefly touch on predictions for the next book? Yes. Okay. I think Jenna is out of the picture. Oh, yeah. I think she's gone. She's going to be hand waved away. For sure. Aiden and Hillary are going to hook up in a, in a, but like in an official sense. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to get together for real. I don't think we're going to find out some huge trauma that Cal has that uh, Chris doesn't remember. I do not think that's going to happen. Really? I think it is because I feel like they kind of were like mentioning it throughout this book. Like, oh, maybe it was a trauma. Maybe it was a trauma. And I feel like Mm. Portia is messy enough to include it. Mm, We didn't see it in Love Me Whole and it worked. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is messy enough where we can we can see some some stuff. Like It'll be something crazy. I think that this book is the last time that a trauma gets mentioned for them. Okay, that is a it's a bold claim, but I'm I think it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. I hope so. I think integration is going to be. Yeah, that was my next one, too. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, you're the perfect mix of the two men that I love. Yeah. That's the worst part of it. I know that it's going to be like read as as like so amazing and mm-hmm. like he's the perfect man now. Ugh. And like, or even worse, he's going to just be Chris with a spine. Oh. Like all of the sharpness of Cal is going to be filed down. Mm. Yeah, I think integration is going to be the way they go. They've been talking about it the entire book. And so it's like, ah, mm-hmm. this is what you're going for. Yeah. And it's just like, I think it would be very funny if after like, I don't know, basically no time at all of knowing about the system and actually trying to like, get along or anything, they just integrate. (laughs) I think that would be hilariously misinformed. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, man, it's just silly. Uh, I'm excited to see Cal like, what the fuck, uh, Lauren, you're sleeping with Chris? I told you not to give up on us. I feel like we're going to see some of that. Counterpoint, I think that Cal is not threatened. And oh. I think that it he's going to be like, I'll show you a real fucking. Oh, because it said it ended with an angry scowl. And so I'm like, oh, he's, he's mad. Yeah, maybe. He's like, you fucking unfaithful bitch. I left you for two years and you fuck another <laughs> man who is who shares a body with me, you goddamn bitch. How dare you? Fucking floozy. You harlot. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's it for this episode. Yep. Claudia, what are we reading next time? Next time, we're continuing sequel spring and we are reading... Kidnapping and Cameron Glenn. Hell yeah. By Beth Cornelis in the sequel to Mountain Retreat Murder. A fan favorite, <laughs> a a host favorite, at least for episodes. I'm excited. I'm hoping that Beth pulls a Porsche and uh just Ooh. that the next book is really good. We'll see. I'm hoping that Beth sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We've had it too good for too long, Nicole. That is true. We do need something terrible in our lives to humble us. Oh, man. Uh, well, guess we'll find out on the next episode of The Three Little Words. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Claudia, where can the people find you? You can find me at Punk Dyke on Twitter. P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. I can't believe nobody had that at. It was miraculously not taken by one of my alters. <laughs> 
You can find me at Sexy Pagliacci on Twitter. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I. You can follow the show at V3LW Podcast on Twitter. We are on Patreon, too, and you can get some fun little goodies on there, as well as early episodes and things that we cut out of the episodes we published yeah. because they're too spicy. Yeah. Oak, if something is too spicy or too off-topic but it's still fun, he will typically clip it and put it on Patreon for listeners. Alright, that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. This episode was brought to you by our patrons June B, The Evergreen Collective, and Coralie, and by listeners like you. Thank you. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay. Well, I I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I could let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old Args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. <laughs>